Hello friends, welcome to another episode of Hybrid Unlimited. This is Hayden Bowe, and today me and Marcus Leone sit down with Michael De La Pava, the owner of Battle Axe Gym. If you don't know who this guy is and you live in Miami, you've been living under a rock. Um, I have heard so much about this guy, always good. This He might have the best reputation in the industry uh, as far as Miami goes. Uh, I've only ever heard great things about him. And we also reached out to him recently to uh, hopefully get some strongman equipment. And without even knowing us, he just lent it to us. So this is a is a real good guy. He's been here for a long time. He's got some awesome messages to share. So you definitely don't want to miss this. Um, powerlifting, strongman, weightlifting. We talk about all that kind of stuff. Business, running a gym uh, in Miami and just in general. All these different kind of things. Um, it's stuff that you're going to want to hear. So make sure you tune in. Uh, as always, make sure you screenshot this episode while you're uh, listening. Tag me, tag Marcus, tag Hybrid Unlimited, and you'll automatically be entered in a draw to potentially win some Hybrid Legacy brand apparel, which is the official apparel of Hybrid Performance Method as a whole, as well as the Hybrid Unlimited podcast. Um, while you're at it, check out hybridstrengthcoach.com. We have programs ranging from strongman to Olympic weightlifting, powerlifting, general fitness, bodybuilding, everything in between. Uh, you can try seven days free through that link I just said, uh, hybridstrengthcoach.com. Uh, other than that, sit back, relax, enjoy another episode of Hybrid Unlimited. We want to give a shout out to our incredible sponsors for the podcast, Element. Chances are you're not getting enough electrolytes or salt in your diet. Element is an electrolyte supplement that contains no added sugar, no artificial ingredients, and no BS. Everyone needs electrolytes, especially if you sweat a lot during your training. Having the right levels of sodium, potassium, and magnesium flowing through your system will not only help combat fatigue and brain fog, but it can seriously improve your performance in the gym. But don't just take our word for it. Athletes in the NFL, NBA, NHL, US Olympians, and members of the Special Forces are all drinking Element to get their electrolyte intake on point with the most delicious powder on the market seriously these flavors are insane my personal favorite is citrus salt element is giving our listeners a special offer head over to the link in our show notes or ig to get a free gift with your purchase courtesy of our friends at element again the link is drinkelement.com hybrid that's drink slash hybrid stay salty and now back to the show. Well, welcome, dude. Thanks yeah, for coming. Thank you. Thanks very for much. doing the the mission in the Miami rush hour. Yeah, I actually there. stopped three times for set camp and get some food and nutrients. <laughs> did you? Yeah, no, dog, it's an hour and a half, but it's okay. We made it. Then he's just like, how many cafecitos did you have to drink to get here? <laughs> I, I would have pooped my pants. That's what would have happened. But yeah. I appreciate you guys having me. Honestly, man, it's of course. It's, I feel like it's it's been too long. It's big. I've known I've known about the, you in the, the gym his, for so long. Right, the history of getting here is is pretty fucking funny. Actually, I kind of chuckled to myself when I got here. They're like hybrid. I'm like, yeah, man, this is where we're going. <laughs> After being here and seeing you guys and everything, it's pretty cool. Yeah, man, well, you're like a pillar of the strength community uh, here. Fuck. You know, thank you for that. How, how long uh, have you had the gym? Ten years. Wow. We celebrated God. ten years brick and mortar. It's a. I don't even know if I've been. So like. A, Correct me if I'm wrong, but it's a pretty intimate space, right? Yeah. So um, when I opened up the Battle Axe at the time, 
online coaching was not real. You know, the only people doing anything online 10 years ago were like bodybuilders. It was very yeah. much a YouTube whiteboard. Remember the whiteboard, Elliot Hall, Zach Evanesh? Yeah, yeah. Even yeah, DeFranco yeah. used to do it back then. Where Zach Evanesh, just, yeah, I remember. They would just talk in front of a whiteboard and everyone had a brick and mortar. That was the sauce. So at the time, I was still training Muay Thai um, with one of my, with my coach at the time. He had like his own kind of garage gym, one of the first in Miami. So I said, I'm going to do this. Um, and 10 years ago, we started and helping up really small. It's a thousand square, well, 800 square feet, which is nothing. At the, but then, you know, it was like no in one a, had it. In Miami, yeah, yeah. 10 years ago, who was around? I mean, was Nobody. it Soul? Um, and CrossFit Soul? It was CrossFit or? Soul. Uh, it's my boy, Danny. Um, Idolmaker, which is Randy Scotes, is very unknown, but literally one of the biggest brains we have, extremely unknown. He's at the time, was one of nine West Side gyms in the world. And oh, he was, no, oh, it's wow. a gem in Miami. No one knows. Are they still uh, around? Jessica Martinez trains out of there, used to train out of there. Uh, yeah, he just reopened again. He does nothing but D1 players now, athletes. Randy's one of my do mentors and friends. they do equipped powerlifting there? So they do monoliths. They used to do oh, equipped shit. powerlifting eight, nine years ago, 10 years ago. That's the first time I walked into a gym. And I go, are those fucking chains? <laughs> you know, 10 years yeah. ago, that was, I mean, in Miami, you know, the strength culture in Ohio and stuff is different. You come to Miami, everything was aesthetic. Um, so one right. year in, when I opened up my space, I had heard about him. And I always shout out to him. I walked in, and I was very honest. I said, Randy, I don't know enough about powerlifting, but I want to learn from you to teach to my people. And he's like, well, no one ever, no one's up front like that. I said, well, I'm not going to bullshit you. Whatever you teach me, I'm going to teach. And I spent two years doing Westside, like monolift and really? fucking rain briefs and shit. Oh, not yeah? full uh, ply or anything. Yeah, like doing yeah, the boss squats with the chains, running the waves, learning the tendo unit. Watching very talented young D one D two players like all that stuff. And I were were that. they doing it also? Do they have the D one guys squatting yep. in briefs and stuff? Yep. Wow, so he all that stuff. West side. He was super West Side. Now it's incredible to hear him evolve. You know, just like everything else. Um, you know how much li how little they actually deadlift now for ball athletes, and he's just a brain man. He, he used to mention books to me, and you know the grip tester for your nervous system. He told me that shit oh, yeah. nine years ago. I met Donnie Thompson there. Like to see if you're like ready for the, the yeah, lifts. Yeah. I'm talking about... It's like a sign of fatigue or something, right? Exactly. Yeah, yeah I've, I've heard about it. I've it's never seen one way that people will put on the chart as far as testing if you're like neurologically tired, even though I put that in quotes because that's kind of an interesting subject. But if you're fatigued, grip is a very right. good way of kind of testing. What's the theory behind that? Like the less you can express hey, George, strength through right. the grip? Grip is one way of kind of expressing... Return the volume down. Whether right your neurology is actually in a... A bad place grip okay. is one of the easiest ways to kind of understand it and test it where you can you know you can't just say i'm tired how do you feel you can still bench press squat but grip is one of the first things to go when you're neurologically fatigued especially because it's in the extremities so and how think, much it involves is that like an objective measure do you think well like, it's a science to suggest it well in that that grip test yeah. with the little meter People actually tested it. I forgot the name of the guy. He just mentioned it. I had Paul O'Neill down. Oh, nice. We know Paul. The, yeah, 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 Randy showed up and they talked about that. Um, they've tested it, you know, when people are tired compared to when they're prime and how to kind of use that as a way. That's one way of doing it. Sure. Um, and I, you know, saying that you're neurologically fatigued, I put it in quotes because to get there is really, really hard. Oh, yeah. yeah. You hear people talk about overtraining all the time. And I'm or just like, my, I'm fried. My neurology is fried. I'm like, you're not strong enough yet yeah, to, for like, that to happen. You don't know <laughs> yeah, what that yeah, actually yeah. means. Like, you'll know. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know. We said it was a pH deadlift. I think that said it. He's like, bro, just drink some Gatorade. Like, you're, you're probably not <laughs> you're probably training hard enough to be neurologic. Yeah, I mean, and there's only a few times, like, 
even for me in the history of my training that I could ever remember being like, I'm fucked up right now. Yeah. And I was very, very few and far between. Yeah. And I would say that anyone who's not a professional athlete has to look at outside variables first. Are you stressed? Are you tired? Are you pissed off at your fucking girl or husband? Those are probably bigger variables than the fact that you're physically tired. Like oh, if yeah. I can isolate you as an athlete, eat, sleep and train, you'll be fine. But the fact that we have Miami traffic and bills and shit, oh, that's don't get anybody you're probably more stress than you are fucking tired. That's, yeah. that's a fact. Yeah, I mean, it, that I, that's that's a tough thing to, to express to people, I think, because right. the nuance is like you're, you're almost taking their thought process and having to deconstruct it for them in like an objective way. Like, I know you think yes. that you're tired, but like, have you ever actually experienced like serious training fatigue, neurological fatigue, quote unquote, like whatever the definition of that fucking thing is? Right. I don't know if a lot of people actually have been there. I mean, I, I'm around guys all the time that know what that is because right. like I've seen their training. Like I know what my training's been like. Yeah. I mean, you're probably one of the few people that I could look at yeah, on man, paper. I like, all right, if that, that dude knows anything about being tired. Yeah. And it's, I think that once you get to an elite and I mean elite in the sense of you're pushing your body to that level, um, it starts to show some signs. But I think the hardest part, like you said, is that people will often tie their stress and they're tired to something emotional. So when you mm. tell them you're not tired, they take mm. it as a form of, like, they take it personal. You're like, oh, you can't yeah. be tired. And like, I'm like, well, you could be tired. I'm just telling you you're fucking stressed most likely. Right. And since they're tying their stress to being right. tired, it, they take it personal. Well, you have to, like, kind of dissect it. And I think mm -hmm. my experience in the gym and, like, you know, Hayden, correct me if I'm wrong, you guys have dealt with how many thousands and thousands and thousands of people that have trained mm -hmm. under your programs at this point. But like, it's very hard unless we're talking about the top 2% of strength athletes yeah. or athletes in general to try and delineate like, okay, here's your life, which is 99% important. And mm -hmm. then here's your life in the gym, which is really 1% important. Right. But as, as people start to like develop a passion for this space and like even me like you know like i don't make my money here i i just this is where my social world is and you know this is where my passion lies is here uh you know you start to conflate the two the lines get really blurry right. as you dive into this absolutely as, as passionate as we all are about it that's why we're all sitting here yeah, so it's very hard to tell somebody who might not know the nuance behind that like hey like, I know you think you're exhausted because you think your body's tired or you're a little sore or whatever, but, like, you just made a good point. Like, did you get into a fight with your wife? Yeah, that's... Yeah. Like, that's, you, that's I feel like you have to go through it, too, because I'm sure anyone who's trained long enough and hard enough, you'll have days where you feel completely smoked. You go in, you're, you're like, this is going to be the shittiest session ever, and it turns out to be a, a great session, right? right but, and that's, yeah. to your point, like, you're not... You're not really as tired fatigue. as you think yeah. you're, you're probably, and that's why I love, I mean, I'm a psych major, so psychology is like literally the passion behind most of my thinking, um, which is interesting to see both qualified and unqualified people start to really bring out the psychology of sport, but especially now, I think once you turn to a certain level of elite performance, it really starts to showcase how much psychology is really important at a certain level, and then the trickle-down effect, because the lowest of the lowest can still experience the same psychological stressors as the best of the best. Sure, so yeah. there is certainly a, a tying system between everybody, 
that's relatively universal and can be quantified in qualitative data. But that's why I love that. And mm. I love psychology and I love that aspect of the sport. The numbers are cool. But understanding the lifter is probably, I would say, my strength, but also my passion. So when you, you talk to people and you give them an understanding of, for example, when I do some online programming, I do a, like a, a mental scale. I ask for them throughout the week. I go, you know, one to five, five being a great performing week, one being very low, you know, rate each one what you think your scale is. Because my five is not your fucking five, and it's not your sure. five. My five is like zombie apocalypse kind of shit, you know? <laughs> one being like getting really high on the beach, you know? Like, let's, let's be real. Her, her or his five might be, you know, bad day at work or something. Yeah, and that's um, very real for people. Yeah, and so it like, opens up conversation. I said, oh, I noticed that you do, you've do. you had a couple ones in the last six weeks on this specific day, and that performance is very low. So let's understand that maybe it's not the programming or necessarily how you're tired, but that those days are stressors. Can we look at correlating factors? Oh, it's end of the month. It's my menstrual cycle. It's a day where I have to turn in bills. And I'm like, okay, so we can understand that you're not really tired. We have mm-hmm. data here that shows us that these are high stress days and they're affecting your performance. So do you, and I think this is probably like an evolving conversation. So the question I'm going to ask is really open-ended, but do you find that as time goes on and more people find themselves very passionate about their fitness journey and like their dedication to whatever their discipline is, whether it's strongman, powerlifting, weightlifting, bodybuilding, whatever it is that they're continuously like having to reassess their mental state and tie more of their identity into it. And therefore it it takes up like maybe an unfair amount of space emotionally, Mm -hmm. uh, mentally, you know, like, let's just say the normal person work a job. They want to go to the gym. uh, And then it turns into a really like a big source of self-esteem, emotion, ego, whatever you want to, define it as right but i think it does take up a huge place in people's hearts and minds right so a lot of self-empowerment a lot of progress in their lives can be quantified by what they're doing in the gym um but you have you seen over the past 10 years as as time has gone on and maybe the virality of fitness has increased that it's starting to take up an unfair position in people's minds so that's a good question I think that people searching for identity and a sense to belong is a tale as old as time. Whether it was to belong to a religion, a culture, a class system, a hierarchy of money, that is since the beginning of humanity. So that is, that is one thing to be said. I think this, the ease of which we are allowed to do sports, especially in this country, has just found another outlet for people to express their identity, their ability to belong, their hierarchy if i'm stronger than you i'm better than you or more popular than you i get more money whatever intrinsically that's primal nature um and then social media making that very accessible and making it very fast so i wouldn't say that it takes an unfair amount but i would say is the proliferation of it is unfair now because of social media and that it's not being discussed enough or openly moderated when you say hey by the way, a 500-pound squat does not necessarily equate value in life per se if you look at it as a, this is the only thing I do. Right. Um, and, I, and I argue this often, is that when you get injured, for real injured, when you go under the knife or you're out for a year, you then realize how much value has been put in this in the wrong way. And I take this from a, not only a personal perspective, but over the years of coaching. When I hurt my spine and I was out for a year, 
I just could not understand not being the strongest person in the room. I just couldn't get it. Like I had identified myself as a strong man, very fucking strong. And I walked into a room and I could barely walk. I couldn't go upstairs. My leg was numb and I lost that sense of identity. And then I realized psychologically, I put too much, not in sport, but identifying myself in the wrong way with the wrong thing. And I talk to people often in sports, and it's a great question that opens us a myriad of, of discussion, is if you look at sport as a way of expression and not belonging, easily that problem is fixed. Just like you that's express yourself. I've never heard it put like that, but that's a good way to it's think true. about it. It's true. Think about it. Like you can, it's definitely both for people. It, it, for sure. Because like, I don't think there's anything inherently wrong with wanting to belong to a group. Like, Dude, everybody does it. You're right. Religion, uh, sports teams, you know, like all around the world. Like, you know, I go for Inter Milan and you go for Chelsea. Chill. Like, no, don't ever say that, Manchester United. Don't you ever, <laughs> don't you ever saw me again. Red Devil for life. Okay. I, I don't know anything about football. That's just, fine. Don't ever say Chelsea. I don't know anything about okay. sports Can we except for that? like strength sports <laughs> and shit. Jesus. I'm sorry if I that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> But like, it, it's, that's the reality. Yeah. Like, and. When they, people join gyms, they become a part of the culture there and they become part of a group and you form social bonds. Like everyone I know has done it. That is the reality of the world. Now, we all chose the gym. Plenty of people chose religion. Plenty of people choose sports. Mm-hmm. And whatever your pastime is, you want to find a social group. We're social animals. To deny that is denying biology. Sure. It's, it's, it's an unfair thing. So I guess my question is, you hinted at it, but as social media proliferates and allows people access like i can see everything about hayden's training if he's mm-hmm. posting it regularly his his meals you know all the crazy dumb shit that people put on their yeah, Instagram. Your fucking nine second squats that give me the highest anxiety <laughs> but you get them yeah. the fucking biggest grind that i don't want to talk yeah, about it. i <laughs> almost forgot about that yeah. i know that shit i'm like how does he get that anyway it doesn't matter i just get he's an endurance most. athlete yeah, he's just <laughs> disguised it as a marathon runner the truth has been revealed here so like I guess to me, I've always had kind of a, a big question mark hanging over people's attachment to that identity. Cause like you just, you said something that resonated with my journey. Like I don't remember a time in the past five years where I'm like 90% of the time, not the strongest dude in the room. Right. And like, I'm, I'm, I'm cool with that. That's just what happened. You know, like my genetics were my training, everything was on point, like good for me. But what happens when you get, into a position, you know, as like a normal person or even in the, I actually, it's probably more pronounced in the strength sports world. If you're an athlete, if you're an elite level athlete, mm-hmm. suddenly you're kicked out by an injury or suddenly you're like, you lose your passion for it and you have to pull back and now you're exploring other avenues of life, but your identity is still so tied, especially with social media, because everybody expects like, like, oh, I'm going to meet the strongest dude in the world. And yeah. suddenly your identity is evolving. I'm like, I don't know what the implications of that are. So this isn't really a question. It's more of like it's a, a good thought statement. Experiment. And I think, so one thing I learned a long time ago is really semantics are very important, right? If identity is your GPS, I believe that that's a bigger downfall than expression. You know, so I think having an identity as a positive consequence of expression is good. For example, mm-hmm. if you like to be strong and belong to a gym and you want to express your ability to have courage and perseverance and discipline, and by happenstance, you walk into a gym because that's a way of doing it. And now you belong to a group. That's a different route than saying, I'm going to go to that group. So you know, I'm strong and you know, I'm jacked because that's a 
what I call like a high octane short term perspective. And I learned mm-hmm. that the hard way, like we all do. Yeah, I did too. Where I did it as as I want you to know I'm a fucking badass because I have low self esteem and I've been through life, but I want you to know I can fuck you up. But then when that was <laughs> taken away and I was there limping yeah. around, I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah, like so who are you under the under the hood? And then I kind of changed my and I, I talk about this on my podcast. I talk about this to my athletes. I say understand who you are as a person. You know, if you're a person that likes challenges or wants to express that they're strong and, and that they commit to things, that's who you really are. And then you happen to find sport as a way, like you can find music or art or a religion or a, a particular group of people. And if you look at it from the umbrella perspective, I think when people discuss it this way, it's probably a little bit safer to identify it from this way than saying, it's like for me, when I tell people anger, anger is great. But anger is a high octane tool. Mm-hmm. Is it a long term tool? And I, I that's just when you talk about it, when you lift, I lift with anger. That's me personally. As I was a younger coach, I'd say, "Well, you should lift with anger, or you're a fucking pussy." <laughs> and then, of course, I'm almost forty now. I'm like, "You stupid fuck! What were you doing? <laughs> what were you, doing? you know what? My therapist would agree with you one hundred percent. Yeah, I the, the therapist I've seen forever is a yeah. big advocate of expressing anger. Obviously, yeah. you don't want to like express that with a machete, sure, but word. like <laughs> expressing it in a positive way. So if it's under a barbell, like fuck yeah, good for you. You're not yeah. going home and beating your wife, right? And it's mm. it's a it's a tool, and I I say this often, um, and this is kind of my philosophy and the way I teach and the way I coach and write and. Things are muscles, right? This is the way I correlate to strength athletes. Anger, compassion, kindness, discipline. These are all muscle groups. It's psychological muscles. You have to train them if you want to learn how to use them. You have to isolate them sometimes and learn how to use them like a bodybuilder does with a bicep who probably knows how to do bicep curls significantly better than a powerlifter or a strongman. Mm -hmm. When you're angry and you can fucking focus that motherfucker on the deadlift, I believe that's a strong tool to know how to use it like a sniper not a machine gun than somebody who says i don't need anger i'll never use it i'm like well that you know it's like the peterson concept what's a dangerous man a person that right. can really be dangerous but withholds them what's the famous saying rather be a monk in a garden than yeah rather be a, a warrior in a garden warrior in a garden or than a yeah, gardener in a war, in a war. right yeah yeah. So like, I was on the right track. You were there. You were there. <laughs> I was there in spirit. I was going to fuck it up too, but you just saved my ass. I was like, ooh, you were a bar- barber at a... Hayden's the fact checked all of us here. Fuck, yeah. <laughs> the Google. A barber? <laughs> You're like, shoot. <laughs> right. Where's that one going? <laughs> but yeah, so like, these are things that I think that they're discussions and they're perspectives and I believe the power of semantics are very important. Yeah. Have you ever worked with a sports psychologist yourself? Never worked with one personally, but I've actually talked to a bunch of them. Because okay. as soon as people find out that I'm a psych major, I get to kind of coordinate with them and talk. I've actually, through Instagram and social media, have sat down and then just my general curiosity of seeing peer-reviewed journals like and their the perspective of visualization, confidence, discussion how important that is for an athlete and how they've actually quantitatively studied that. Like, it's not my opinion. It's Mm -hmm. fucking science that certain perspectives and attitudes and semantics and terminology is extremely important. And then applying that to what I call trench warfare, which is being on the platform, being a coach, being a competition. I mean, think about it. You've all been there. If a coach tells you, you're going to fucking do good. You're going to fucking do good. <laughs> now, if you go, hey, buddy, you know, you should probably take, are you crazy? That person, you're done. Your day is yeah, done. You Unless can. you're a very gifted athlete, aside from those things, right? So putting it into practice and then, you know, being fortunate enough to have 
been coached on, I don't know, probably a hundred different platforms and talked to thousands of different athletes from all aspects, that's probably my first thing I always talk to is like, what's your psychology before a lift? And how do you deal with injuries? That's probably my go-to questions from Eddie Cohen, Dave Tate, Stuart McGill, Brian Carroll, Brian Shaw, like that I've been lucky mm -hmm. enough to be around and including this conversation because it kind of triggers in your brain. Yeah, I always find it really interesting. You know, you go to any athlete and you ask them how, how important or what percentage of your sport do you think is mental or psychological? And they'll always give you a huge number, you know, right. 70, 80, 90%. And then you'll be like, well, what are you doing to work on that? And nothing. They're just 100% in the gym, you know. So for you, even though you're not seeing a sports psychologist, you're you're educated in that. And you obviously do a lot of, uh, you know, yeah, a, a lot of reading and, and, and you're learning how to sort of, you know, harness your psychology and, and have it help you instead of hinder you. Yeah. But for, for most people, it's like, it, it's weird because they know that it's such a big thing and then it's just right. never addressed. And I think, I think a lot of times um, it's because the perspective on psychology is that, you know, I hate the term soft science. Um, that also leads to a lot of unqualified people saying a lot of things. And that sure. pisses me off tremendously. And that's something that well, we've talked about a couple of times recently on the podcast. But there's this almost pseudoscientific cult of like, like I, I don't even know if you could call it pseudo-psychological, but yeah. there's like cults of personality forming that are almost like self-help guru type things. And like people like offering oh, on social media. There's just a million. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Like the outlet of the internet's causing... All of these like charlatans, to quote Zach Talander, shout out Zach for <laughs> hey. popularizing that word. What a word too! I love that. I know yeah, he he crushed word. it. It's you like guys gotta go watch that. I love it. But I find it alarming that there's so many people offering hope in the form of advice and mentorship on social media, where they're clearly fucking unqualified, right? To such a dangerous degree that they're they're imparting like false wisdom and false uh premise on people like yeah. buy into my thing like dude i know that the liver king thing has been talked about ad nauseum recently but like it's that type of 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 cult of personality which to me is very dangerous because you're buying into something that's not real and not just him. Like he's. Well, yeah, it's the snake oil thing. I mean, it's like Barnum and Bailey. And but it's evolving. Like, to it me, is. I don't know if you've seen this. Tell me if I'm wrong. Are you seeing this the way I am, guys? Like, it's like I see a lot of people on the internet, especially reaching out to disaffected young men, especially oh my disaffected God. young men. Oh, I fucking hate Because these are like, I'm not going to name names, but you guys know who they are. There's yep. a lot of dudes out there that are yeah. offering advice and mentorship and guidance to like the disaffected and of our country. they're also playing on people's like we were talking about earlier desire to be a part of a group right a sense of belonging right and then sorry you, you know, know go ahead but yeah with the chanting and the fucking war pain and the screaming and crying in the middle of the room like, <laughs> yeah. but i uh i can't you. uh we're not drinking coffee guys <laughs> We are I hate to break it here. <laughs> Mika, thank you very much. Yeah, it's, you know, I think it's actually, it's pretty alarming. Like, there's a lot of charlatanism going on on the internet, and I think there's a lot of false messiah-type messaging, uh, promises of hope and healing, uh, Sure, and I, help. Like, like you said, it, I think... looking People looking for places to belong. Right, and it's that's, again, a process of all this time, and to now, like, because of proliferation of social media, I love the word proliferation, by the way, <laughs> um... 
it's very easy to could just trap such a bigger audience you know when you would back in the day you would go from town to town every two three weeks and sell your snake oils and get like 10 people now you can post one and get a million people to do it and psychology unfortunately really lends itself and always has to that to hey you know who needs psychology it's just a bunch of dudes talking in a circle i'm like if you've ever been in a real therapy session you know that that's not true there's mm -hmm. a difference between talking to somebody that's lived life and somebody who actually has action items for you to fucking progress forward. And that takes going to school and experiencing and actually working. You know what the brain. big difference is? Mm -hmm. This is a very cursory way to say it, but it's like a lack of vulnerability mm -hmm. and a lack of accountability, right? Because if you go sit in a therapist's office and be like, mm -hmm. Marcus, like, let's talk about your anger. Like, yeah. and you can't just get up because you paid the dude $200 to be there Skin in the game. and you can't just dismiss his questioning about your home life or mm -hmm. your childhood or your relationship with your dad that causes you to be an angry piece of shit nowadays. Yeah. But on the internet, all you have to do is subscribe to somebody's YouTube channel or pay them a thousand dollars to be your quote unquote mentor. And now all of a sudden you've bought into the system, which is going to fix you. Right. Which and dude is flash dangerous you're not actually you're not actually being vulnerable because like whether you believe on it or not like if you're going to go down the route of chasing this this rabbit right mm, like right. do it you know like if, if you want to ha have mental help like go go to a psychologist go seek somebody out that's a professional but just seeking out somebody with eighty thousand instagram followers that's offering to help you with your mental health because you're not accountable and not a man enough right it's i'm sorry that's not fair. That's fake. Yeah, yeah. It, it's, it's too easy. And that's, again, rampant, I think, on all fields. But I think we all now, as we get older and we get wiser, psychology is not, it as much as it's being bastardized, it's also gaining a much larger, broader understanding, which is the double-edged sword of social media in general, right? We mm -hmm. wouldn't be having this discussion if we didn't have it enough to be like, that's crap. We also wouldn't be having this discussion if we didn't have the ability to be like, hey, look how much it's helping us on a wider scale, just in the general availability and the the social aspect of being okay as a man or anybody, mostly men, that's the truth, to go seek therapy. But as a psych major, as a person, and just because I'm a psych major doesn't make me a licensed psychologist or a licensed therapist. No, just, on the contrary, I went to school to be like, I really, really need to respect what I'm about to fucking say here. Because it's just like anything else. The more skin in the game you have it, the more respect you have it. It's like when you fight. If you've been in a fucking fight, you know what you do? You shut the fuck up. Mm -hmm. Because once you've been punched in the fucking face and have enough brain damage, you shut the fuck up because <laughs> it hurts. <laughs> yeah. But those guys who've never been punched in the mug, oh, the, the ones you talk the most. Mouth. Yeah. I'm like, that's always the game. So the more you learn about psychology and the more you learn about strength. The biggest mm -hmm. guy in the room is not really talking about his fucking deadlift. You're probably going to tell me your favorite color. Talk about your dog. Because the more you do something, you're the more you kind of dog. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I, I got so much shit. I mean, for years, he would be the he would be like one of the only dogs here, big him and Dexter and Riley. Yeah. But like, it would just be him watching every one of my deadlifts. Yeah. So like three years ago, I got an ironically large dog compared to him. Uh -huh. But now we have... It's making up for lost time. Yeah. But the best, this you left out a really important part, actually, and this is a tangent, but... Marcus used to bring his huge self to the gym, 
this is right when we first met. Uh-huh. Now he he drives a very different car. But back then, his giant <laughs> oh, ass Jesus. would step out of a baby blue Prius. <laughs> no. yeah, yeah, and then yeah, 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 and then this little tiny dog would hop out beside him, just oh, no. trot and I was a Prius. Do you love the smell of your own farts? <laughs> no. Yes, you do. <laughs> I didn't buy it with for the any. South Park background. No. It's fucking perfect. It was it was the most ironic look because I was also. So maybe Steph, pound for pound, strongest <laughs> man there. Yeah, yeah. Like, object, like uh, yeah. get out of the yeah. Prius. Yeah. It looked I like would, a skit. I would, I would get out with Tim. He's a 20-pound dog, and I was like 260 back then. And uh, it was a sight to behold. And That's, that poor car goes like... If I wasn't the strongest dude there, I would have been really self-conscious about it. But well, you're I, swinging dick like that. You're gonna there. Yeah, like, you know what? I've always liked Prius. That's yeah. always a good car. It's my favorite color. It's great that you said that. No, I you, didn't you like owned it. it. You owned it pretty well, though. I didn't like... Yeah, I didn't like... I did own it. I was confident about it. I didn't like it. Didn't love it. It was just like I was driving a lot of the time, and I was just like, fuck, okay. Okay, like yeah, I just wanted to save some money, and then <laughs> as soon as I could, like once I quit that job, I like got rid of it. Yeah, <laughs> like, okay, um, never again. I, I, I'm I'm a fan of irony, especially when I, I hate that fucking word, by the way. But that's okay. irony. Yeah, there's nothing more ironic than a guy oh. my size getting out of a Prius that small. I'm <laughs> is sorry, it is it not coincidental? Have you ever no. seen a comic book called TheOatmeal.com? Yeah, of course. He has a whole skit of why irony. I'm gonna send it to you. Okay, why please. irony is not a real world. We're, we're, okay. We're, but I'll, we'll talk I'll, about it after. I'll reconsider. But I just wanted to, I couldn't not let you just use that word line times and I say openly. Aiden brings up a I'm good not point. a Chelsea fan and I hate the word irony. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Just so you know. Just so you know. It was hilarious. Yeah, dude. I mean, dude, I'm glad you brought it up. It. I, I forgot all about it. Like, I remember the first day uh, we saw that space, the old, the first hybrid it was like mm-hmm. me, Prius, dog gets out of the car with me, showing the space to them. And that was the first gym. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Anyways, you can't you cannot not unsee that. No, that's great. Yeah. I, I I got to, I got so like comfortable with myself like during that journey of strength up and you know for years. You, know, you could have rode just, a bike to that fucking. Gym yeah, I, I wouldn't have given a shit. It was yeah. hilarious. He, he was also the only person in our group that had a quote unquote real job. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we we all called him uh, Big Business. And it stuck actually. And I, yeah, you still get called that. Yeah, and my Catherine made me a neon sign for my office. Oh, that's like, awesome. Hanging up in my office, I have this neon cursive sign that says Big Business. Oh, cool. One year cool. I made him business cards. Uh-huh. <laughs> what did they say? It was it's actually a big business. It, it was, and his, I was my office location was at Tim's house. His house, because <laughs> he was there the was, whole time. It was just like a tall black figure on a it white card, and just yeah. a big business That's guy dope. or something. Who knows what? It, who knows what this guy said? It, but I want some. Do you still have any? Ah, they're probably. I mean, I don't know. What I made you quite a few. Yeah, I think I made him like five hundred. I, I don't know where my shoes and clothes are at this point. Beyond <laughs> that, I have no fucking clue where anything Somewhere is. Somewhere in storage. Yeah, we're like renovating our house right now, so like I'm like living in my wife's office. Like, we have like a bed on the floor, like my giant dog, the non-ironic dog. <laughs> The one that's just a hundred pounds who wakes me up with his fucking beard in my the face best. every morning. It's like a it's like a great Dane with like fashion sense. Really? <laughs> that's what it looks like. It's a, it's a giant schnauzer. Yeah, he's a giant schnauzer, but those dogs get big, huh? Bro, that's oh, yeah. a good that's yeah. a I don't remember that. <laughs> a great Dane with fashion sense. Anyways, let's not go down the rabbit hole too much. What's your background? For anybody like fans of the hybrid podcast, at least I'm sure, sure. Your, your, um, your people know, but take us through like your journey from uh, fucking, you know, day one Muay Thai fighting and your journey in strongman and, and to where you are now. So, um, so when I got back from school, 
Where'd you uh, go to school, by the way? I went to Penn State. Yeah, I go to Penn State. Top 10, yes, sir. So we actually, we, so my parents are Colombian, first generation immigrant. You know, they worked really hard, very culturalized Colombian. Spoke to them. I love them very much. Um, both of them still alive. So uh, good, hardworking people. My brother and my sister, I love, I'm like a very, we're a very tight family. My mom got offered a job in Pennsylvania to work for 84 Lumber, which is a big lumber company. They own a big hotel. My mom decorates cakes. She's an my mom's an, was cool. an incredible artist. Yeah, incredible, incredible. Not just because she's my mom. She's just extremely talented. My mom did this one. Damn, that's cool. <laughs> Bro, moms are the best. Like, I know. I got lucky. I got some of the genes, but my mom's just on another <laughs> level. Like, she was amazing. They got a job up there in um, Pennsylvania, and I was 18. And why did you leave Columbia? Uh, they left Columbia. I was born here. My two brothers and sisters, they left Columbia because in the early 80s, you know, oh, USA yeah. was the tits, man. Like, Miami was the place to go. Were they um, just like part, did they see like the drug wars going on? Well, so in the early 80s, there was not a lot. As It was more like the Cuban sense. My people came in the 80s and, you know, we ended up running the town. But <laughs> in Colombia and South America at the time, coming to America was not only a opportunity, it was a chance to do something that you were not used to. You know, in Colombia, they would have just lived that life. And my mom and my dad made that choice and they wanted their kids, Pablo and Gina, my brother and sister, to have the American chance, which of, of which they gave them. Um, they, you know, they worked their asses off and my mom was a housekeeper for a very long time. My brother, my dad worked construction forever until he fucked up his knee. So we did have a financial issue for a very long time, but they never, never stopped working. Very loving people, um, good Americans. And in that sense of like not fucking around and they had us, we moved to Pennsylvania cause they got an incredible offer. Mm -hmm to work at the hotel. My mom is a, as an artist. My mom got to pay, get paid as an artist, finally. And PA, the cost of living in Pennsylvania, it, it, my mom oh, went yeah. up there, she paid rent for 700 bucks, and she's like, what? I'm like, shocked. You know, we, we grew up poor, you know, lower, like poor, lower middle class. We weren't like starving, but we grew up poor. And my mom wouldn't say that, obviously, because, you know, moms don't admit that. <laughs> but to have her own house and to have her own, like, her own backyard that yeah. was hers was a big deal. At the time, the only school then was was either a community college or Penn State. Even, you know, Miami's like Penn State. I'm like, Papa, a Colombian kid going to Penn State. Like, I, <laughs> yeah. you know what I'm saying? Like, I made it, you know? Like, Dude, And I, mean, I lived for, a life that I saw on TV. For like, anybody I, going to Penn State. Yeah, yeah. we made it and I worked hard. Amazing. And, you know, we have been deferring those student loans for like fucking 15 years. But we make it happen. <laughs> you and everyone else do. Yeah. <laughs> they're like, oh, it's deferred to July. I'm like, oh, shucks. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, deferment. Mm, yeah, I was really stoked. I was really pumped. I was really name. ready. I was, yeah. was going to put it on my Christmas list. New Year's resolution. Pay student loans. Yeah, right. Um, but eventually we came back down. And uh, I started. The first thing I did martial arts since I was 14. Martial arts is truly my love. Like if I love anything over any sport ever, martial arts made me the, the athlete that I am today um, in all aspects, discipline, desire, whatever. I came back and I, I got in touch with my old coach, my Muay Thai coach. I said, hey, I want to fight. I was young, 23, you know, full of spunk. I was that was fat. the discipline you started in as well? Yeah. So okay. I started with Jeet Kune Do, uh, Bruce Lee What's style. That? Oh, That's okay. Bruce Lee style, yeah. Which is great. I learned Wing Chun, Filipino Kali, Eskrima. Uh, Muay Thai, boxing, knife, dagger training. It was a very multifaceted martial arts. And I learned that very young. But Muay Thai was, you know, that's where you bang. Like, that's what mm -hmm. I like. Yeah. I did BJJ 25 years ago. Wow, well, before it was, it was cool. hype. Yeah, it wasn't hype. Uh, capoeira, all these yeah, things. Yeah, it was what, very cool. uh, what jiu jitsu belt did you get? 
I didn't. So we is part of the art. Oh, okay. I never, as a as a jikundoga, you never specify. Um, but we did BJJ like when we had to set up mats. People were coming for California to teach people in Miami what BJJ was twenty five years ago. Oh shit! Because BJJ here was like maybe I'm gonna say maybe one school, two schools, but it's in, funny in California was hot. Like well, it's California and. Maybe Texas and definitely Miami. Mm -hmm. There's some of the best uh, grapplers on earth here. Yeah, Cali was hot. The Cali is were huge. I mean, you're talking about Bruce Lee days, where yeah. martial arts flourished. New yeah. York, California, that's it. And then Texas. And now, Miami, now yeah. South Florida has become like, you know, the yeah. capital of South America, basically. Right. And that was where I started to. Uh, I got into. I told them I want to fight. You know, and I, I came back from PA. Tremendo fat kid, bro. Like, you know, <laughs> in the Midwest, well, I call Western Pennsylvania basically the Midwest, but I got fat, 250, but fat. And I got lost of weight and I dropped to like 190 and I had five fights. Oh, wow, that's a huge difference. Yeah, man, I got dead. I mean, you're young too. Yeah, but you're, you're in there fighting yeah. every day. Yeah, I was training in the morning. I was motivated. I had no stress. I, mean, I was 23 years old. I lost a bunch of weight. I had five five fights, six fights. Um, After the last one, I lost the championship out. I was like, man. It's kind of disheartening to start playing rugby because I thought rugby was the coolest thing. Mm -hmm. And I got into the Miami Tridents. Um, shout out to my boys. And in that process, I was I got into social working because finally I got a job in my career. I worked with senior citizens for a long time. When you work with senior citizens and you see that level of end of care and end of life, you really kind of start to kind of kickstart your life. Uh, my job at the time was to make sure that senior citizens can leave, live at home or in ALF. I facilitated care. I took care of like almost eight, 80 to 85 senior citizens. And I said, I did that for three and a half years. I said, fuck this. It's not that I don't like working with senior. I love senior citizens. Old people are like my, my favorite people in the world. But I could not not live my dream. When mm -hmm. you talk to enough people at the end of their life, the first thing, well, they say two things. The men say, don't get married. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> oh, man, <I'm> sorry. <laughs> they say, don't get married and live your dreams. And I said, I can guarantee both of those. <laughs> and uh, they would laugh, you know, because you, you'd watch you when you really care about these people. And I said, I've always wanted, I was doing Muay Thai. I wanted to open up like my own Thai gym. And then slowly I started really getting into just, just before you go on to the next point, mm -hmm. I read an interview that you did where you said, I think the quote was like, you're basically your ethos is everything ends. Yeah. Is that Thank where you. you got it from? It's a good question. Um, well, thank you for reading that, first of all. Number two, no, but it was reinforced by that. And to answer your question where that comes from, where it comes from is relatively meaningless. What is, life has shown me to reinforcement is, to reinforce it is everything. That came to me as a story with one of my rugby mates, Sean. I think we were in Europe. We are out drinking, living life. And he tells me this, Probably a fake story, anecdotal at best, of two two people jumping into the ocean to race, which really sounds a lot like Gattaca if you watch Gattaca. <laughs> and the one guy tells the other guy, he's like, hey, you're not scared of the ocean. Like, you're going to die. And he goes, everything ends. And mm. he jumps into race. That story, although small, was it hit me so magnanimously. I'm like, this is a very powerful statement. At the time, I didn't know what Memento Mori was, mm -hmm. which if you look at everything ends, it's mm -hmm basically what memento mori right. is and when you i sat down with i've been very fortunate enough to know some pretty badass special forces guys and seal team guys all of them had that discussion with everything ends but if you were to reinforce it reinforce it 
100% comes from seeing what the end of life looks like and how fast I kind of backtracked. And I said, I'm not going to be a social worker the rest of my life or anything that I can't decide my own destiny. And so what, like back then, if you could take a snapshot of like what you perceive to be like, you know, what, like if you're looking out at your future, what did you see for yourself as like the passion that you had to follow? That's a good question too. So my mother's a great teacher. And um, when I, when I was really, I was actually not a great fighter. I was a good fighter, but I was a great teacher and I love teaching. And I was very good at it. And I had a way of speaking to the people. Even though I was at the time 24, I had students that were 30, 40, 50. But I was good at it. I felt natural. I felt good to see them grow. And I realized that I was a better teacher than I am fighter. Like, I'm a better coach than I am a strongman. Like, I, my cousin's been telling me this forever. I am just a better teacher. Selfishly, I compete. Because I love competing. But I am born to teach and to lead. And I felt it as I taught. And I knew that social working was just a thing that I did because I had graduated. This was what my psychology major was. This is what you were supposed to do, right? Right. Insurance and pobrecita. I told my mom. I love her. I said, hey, I'm quitting my job and I'm going to open up a gym. (laughs) And it's like, you know, telling your mom like, hey, I'm going to be an actor. You know, she goes, what? She goes, you know, it's better. Event state? I'm like, well, you know, the whole thing was, you know, I really want my credit score to fuck up, you know? And we talk about this to this day, you know, that was, and I get it, that's a mom reaction. And now that she's seen what we've done and what we've created and the culture and that she belongs to, she's, you know, she's got, she's more satisfied. Um, But yeah, that, that was one of the things that I saw, I foresaw for myself was I was built to, I believe leaders are not necessarily born, but they're absolutely cultivated. And I never saw myself as a leader or a coach or anything like that. I always thought that the second in command was the cool guy. The Wolverines, the anti-heroes, because I'm sure. a fucking nerd. Deadpool. Cyclops. Yeah, fuck Deadpool. <laughs> don't you ever... <laughs> you don't like Deadpool? No! What? We're going to take a... I don't want to take... I don't want to... What? Why? Okay. Home. T, T, T. I don't like the Marvel Universe. Let me ask you a question. Did you like Deadpool before Ryan Reynolds played Deadpool? No, I don't exactly. think anybody knew I didn't, that's yeah, I didn't why. Know so you're not real Deadpool fans. No, you're I'm not a Reynolds fan. Real... <laughs> well, have you seen Pokemon? <laughs> yeah, he's basically Pikachu. Is that not the same guy? Wait, that... Come on, Deadpool is Pikachu. Yes. How do you call him Pikachu? It's the same shit. Okay, you might as well just take a sword out and kill fucking Ash, bro. Come on, if you're all right. But people, this, I'm about fuck... to set fire to this whole thing. <laughs> do it, kill us. No, except no. Except yeah, yeah, except Tim's here. You can't We're take it. Tim. We're taking Tim. Kill us all. That's fine. I can do that. But like, listen, out of everything in that godforsaken Marvel universe, that bloated budget, except Logan, which is the best. Who? Logan, the movie Wolverine. Whatever. Fine. But out of that whole universe like you're gonna pick the fucking gauntlet guy over okay over deadpool okay, okay. T-T-T. so first of <laughs> all, that's what you're saying i've always hated deadpool because i'm a nerd and wolverine okay. hates deadpool right okay but ryan reynolds has literally been the same person in every he's van wilder have you seen van wilder yeah, yeah. i'm talking off camera you know what i'm talking about okay van wilder <laughs> green lantern that's good that you've seen it that's he's like very before regretful your time. green lantern from yeah, what i hear okay because he's the same guy right <laughs> And then Deadpool came out, and then all these fucking comepingas come on. They're like, you know what I do? I fucking love Deadpool. I'm like, no, you don't, Papa. 
No, you don't. You like Ryan Reynolds being Deadpool. And then so I what's wrong with that? I don't. I like Ryan Reynolds. I'm a bitter nerd. I'm a bitter nerd. Okay, like, that's I'm fine. the kind of guy that goes like, I read the books first. You fucking piece of shit. Yeah, yeah, no, that's fine. I bet, I you, I bet you read Dune first too. Mm-mm. Fair enough. I read Game of Thrones for the first two books, and I hated the show until it was cool. You ended like up liking it. Yeah, I did. Game of Thrones. Yeah, yeah. Until. No, no. He started I, off not liking it. Right, well, I saw the first. Did you episode? like season eight? Well. No. Line in the sand here. No, no. no thank you. No, yeah. Nobody did. Not even the rushed. actors. It was rushed. It's yeah, fucked it was up. Rushed. It was rushed. They didn't do it. Season service. seven was chef's It was fantastic. Yeah. This new one's all right, too. Yeah, I I've been the, liking it. I call it Dragon House, just to be bitter. <laughs> because I feel like it's a party thing. It's fantastic. Yeah, I'm, I'm it's a big amazing. fan. Yeah. Yeah. Thoughts on Dune, fan. by the way? Did you like the movie? Love Dune. I never yeah. saw that. A lot of people really? say it was good, though. I feel like everyone has to pick up like a people to belong to. I want to be the house, or I guess house... Of oh, the fat floating guy. What are they called again? Harkonnens, yeah. That's, I You're the like Baron? That's you want to be the Baron? This is a, yeah, is a Doom like, thing? Yeah, a high-level soldier. You know? oh, okay, you I don't know anything like, about this. I think you want to be his right-hand man that's who was dude. played by... Uh, uh, who's from the, the Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah. He's, oh, got, a, he's got a Hispanic last Dave name. Dave Batista. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We know Dave. I'm a part of that crew. You know, like... I'm you want to be long... Dave Batista. You don't want to be Baron Harkonnen. I mean, I'm chubby, but I'm not going to float around. No, he's a slug. He's a slug. He can't even walk. He can't even die, apparently. So. Well, I mean, he almost died. Yeah, but he in that one scene somehow. <laughs> Star Wars. Love Star Wars. All right, me I'm too. a Star Wars guy. I'm a huge nerd. I'm also Lord of the Rings. Yeah, like, I have muscles so that I can like beat Rings you up if you don't agree with me. Rings of Power, <laughs> fan. It's on my. It's on my. I'm watching it over Christmas. I know. I know. Oh I know. Chill, chill. T T T T. I spent like a billion dollars on that. I am a habitual season. Come on, man. I'm, I'm looking you're at about, the You're about to cause George know, to have a fucking heart attack. I'm breaking the fourth wall here, but chill. <laughs> listen, listen to me. I am a habitual season starter. I start series. I also start like 15 books at once. But you, I will finish uh, Okay. I promise. Watch Rings of Power. Hours. It's yeah. very good. Yeah. <laughs> you hate it. I'm going to get clipped out of this entire podcast. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's just going to be... It's just going to be a tin. I hate it. Like, fire well, I just don't have a, an opinion, really. Like, like I, wa- I, I can watch Star Wars and enjoy it, but like, if you ask me to dissect it or if it doesn't follow the original plot, yeah. or I don't know any of that Listen, stuff. Listen, they just... They fucked up on the last three. Oh, they got greedy. Terrible. They got greedy and they just... Just they, take they, it from our professional three in a row? advice. They, they well, okay. Like I could, well, I could see where they're going with seven. Uh, when they got to eight, I actually loved eight because it was beautiful. It was a beautiful, yeah. beautiful movie, and so was nine. Except they butchered the story on nine, and really just they brought the emperor back. So if you don't know. Emperor dies in episode wow. six. Hey, spoiler alert. Doesn't he strike Jeez, back? Can we put spoiler alert in there? Are you kidding me? It's been out three years. Wow, okay. That doesn't mean anything. <laughs> you're like, I just, you just show your level of nerddom there. You always say spoiler alert first. Nobody. All know. right. First of all, we're talking to a bunch of fucking meatheads on this podcast. All right. <laughs> Yeah, maybe, maybe. It's been out three years. If you haven't seen it <laughs> by now, we sidetrack from like people dying in hospice to Star Wars. Maybe. <laughs> we gotta lighten it up. Just for a go, no, just goes to show you the diversity of the intellect here. <laughs> Listen, if you're telling me that that's the why it's called it, hybrid unlimited, unlimited. Shows, yeah. he shouldn't have been brought back. That's what I'm saying. I thought it was my hill to die. I would literally have a whole podcast on how those movies sucked ass. I can. You probably can do well. There's a easily. lot of a lot of nerds out there. Oh, dude, we'll probably get more hits <laughs> on how Star Wars sucks than this general good information about strength and conditioning training and like general life. Bro, tips. have you been? I, I, there's parts of YouTube where all they do is dissect, like yeah. for hours at a time, the mm. like theology, quote unquote, behind these oh, shows, like the lore of Lord of the Rings. 
Dude, every time we would watch a Rings of Power episode, my wife for the next two days would be on YouTube, like at I'm nights. She'd be watching like the backstory for every episode. And there's dudes. Some aren't there like professors? Aren't there people who like learn the languages yeah, that like the different that creatures that sh- speak? An orc and orc and, an stuff? Orc and uh, dark speak and all. I wouldn't learn orc. I think those are like my pe- the Urukai. I feel like they're my people. All right, so yeah. this I'm more like a dwarf. If I had to be somebody <laughs> in Lord of the Rings, first of all, let's let's not go there. Wait, I, they're powerful this, people. Okay, we're, this, we're gonna go down the tangent. <laughs> no, 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 no. I just wanted to ask you a question. This is what I was gonna ask you when we first started, but I think we went on like a more professional route the first time. But you consider yourself a Colombian Viking. So, <laughs> because I know somebody, I know that, that person too. He considers himself the Cuban Viking. Yeah, you know it's crazy. So who's that? <laughs> His name's Javier. No way. He considers himself the Cuban Viking. Javi, Wait, is he way? He's on a powerlifter. Yeah, yeah. He, he used to train here. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He considers himself so, the Cuban Viking. Yeah. So now <laughs> that's a good question. So Colombian Viking, Viking, has, Viking? Been, has been a great terminology. Both people who think they know me and then myself. Right. <laughs> I always laughed at that terminology well, I saw your because head. right when people. So originally, like obviously at one point I was like an Anglophile. Like I think I love the Anglophile. Like people from Europe and the history of Europe is very interesting to me. Mm -hmm. I love that. Like to to reach that history. Anglophile, yeah. So you're very interested in things like in Europe. As a South American, I mean, who's not? You know, like you think about medieval history and knights and Vikings. There's a reason you're there. Right, the, exactly. Are there. Well, chill, chill, chill. Those Spaniards also <laughs> fuck you guys in the World Cup or whatever. Like, I, they I don't did, listen, this, the, the Europeans they did a number on the world. You kidding me, dude? The British. Are. This is why I got big quads. I don't know, probably from somebody, <laughs> not the Spanish, probably from my mom's side. But it, it, to answer your question, like, do I consider myself? I've always used that terminology. Like, I'm a very, I take myself seriously in certain terminology, but I am not. A person that takes himself that seriously, like you can't have head tattoos. I just wanted you to say to yes, man. No, I don't. Are you kidding me? So you go down a rabbit hole. Colombian Viking, really, dog? Really? Have you seen my mom, dog? She's like a little coffee bean. Rico, bro. I speak Spanish. I speak Spanish. My credit score is dog shit. Like you know, maybe that's the Colombian side. But I say that like we use the term. Like I've always loved that shit. Like I think Viking stuff is. Here's an example. My first tattoo was Horimono, which is samurai stuff. Uh-huh. Um, when I was young, I was fascinated by Japanese. And who is not an anime fan? Japanese culture, samurai history. That stuff is fascinating to me. And then I grew up older. And of course, when 300 came out, I was a fucking huge fan of the Spartans and warrior stuff. And then, of course, Vikings and so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. I like warrior stuff. And, you know, you don't really say like South American Viking or anything like that, even though we've had people over time. But. To me, to use that term, Colombian Viking, is probably really fun to me. Like, I fucking love that shit. <laughs> it's just, if you really think I go home and speak Norse to my mom, <laughs> like, do you think I go home and I eat fucking not. goat head? Like, we have una bandeja paisa con arroz y frijoles rojos, you know, like, mi mami, como estas? And I'm like, you know, I, I went to Norway. I went to fucking Norway. I was there with the people. And I'm like, hey. I'm Colombian. How are you? I feel like like I've I've been to Iceland now a couple of times. I've never been like Scandinavia, but they're like they're a pretty hardy group of people up there. Oh, great. They're I've just been... tough as fucking nails. Yeah, it's yeah. so cold. It it's, is. <laughs> it's not just cold. It's cold and it's wet and it's rainy and it's gray and yeah, it's that's like... why people from Boston are tough. 
Well, yeah, yo, Boston <laughs> people are yeah. tough. Man. My boy Vinny's from Boston. Some of my good friends are from Boston, is. but like, yeah, he is. Yeah, Vinny, yeah. Worcester, 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 Worcester. But I, when I went to Norway, I think that the underlying attitude of that culture is that there's like nothing you can't do. It we're gonna go out hiking. I know it's gonna rain. Okay, we'll hike in the rain. I'm like, oh, cool. Yeah. Oh, we're gonna go out drinking. They're it's not late. Oh, it's not that late. I'm like. Okay. Just always down for I anything. I love it. I love that attitude. I, I love my people, but most Hispanic people, when you say something, I don't know if it's just from years of living the particular life, but it, there's always like that doubt. Like, hey, we're going to go drinking. Well, you know, don't get in an accident. Like, what? <laughs> or, yeah, I'm going to squat 600. <laughs> okay, well, don't hurt your like, knee. You I'm like, like, what the fuck? Yeah, don't put that in my yeah, head. Dude, yeah, dude, that is, that is an OG, like, uh, Hispanic. I know that it goes to other cultures, like Abuelita culture. My dad like, is like that, honestly, oh, too. Man. Yeah, dude. My, hey, you're gonna go, you're my gonna family go, is, too. Don't die. I'm like, what do you mean, don't die? That's not wasn't my purpose. Listen, you know how weird I look to my family? A bunch of Italian Jews. Yeah, like, why are you doing <laughs> Just like my grandma, the only thing she said to me, like, for the last five years, she's like, when are you going to stop? You don't look good. <laughs> oh, I had somebody literally. That's that's so good. She's like, I thought you were gonna stop that's at like 800. That's one of the best Italian grandmas. I, I was like, no, like I'm stronger than that. I guess I'm gonna yeah. keep going. And I had somebody literally come up to my wife at a family function on my mom's side, and this woman came up to her, and I shit you not, said, like pointed at me. She's like, how how can you be attracted to that? Get out of here. <laughs> oh, she, my like, God. She was so, like, taken aback yeah, by the question. Because I think of the implications of that. Like, she's saying, I'm hideous or fat or, like, just grotesquely well, muscular. She's, and she's also insulting both of you in the same yeah, right. sentence. Where, like, she's insulting <laughs> her and for making that choice. was, like, just, like, falling apart. Like, an old woman in her 60s, but, like, had never exercised a day in her life. <laughs> and it was, like, the weirdest question I've ever heard. And she didn't know how to respond. Man, she was just like, uh, what the fuck? Like, <laughs> I don't know. Like, we're just. Like, I will pillage is... your whole entire town. Lady. You have <laughs> no <laughs> idea what I'm capable of. Yeah, it's just. It was like, uh, I, I, I don't get it. It, it. The the way that different cultures view that kind of stuff, because like if you go to areas where they've had adversity, uh, like because of the environment, they've had to figure out how to live, right? So if you go yeah. to anywhere like Russia, Northern Europe, uh, Northern Germany, Germany in general, like. You know, even Netherlands, stuff like that. You go to Iceland, like those people's the people they're there. They survived against all odds, right? right? Like they didn't just go there and they're like, oh hell yeah, there's a beach and the tiki bars down the road and there's plenty of meat. They're like, oh fuck, how are we gonna survive? Dude, even look at it's w- cold. within North America. You go far enough north, Alaska, parts of Canada, none of it, Yellowknife, all that stuff. Those people are like hard as nails. Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, you come like down a weather thing probably. Oh, for sure. But just imagine. It's just, just like yeah. ease of living. It's like, look, you Your move to Florida because it's nice so, and like, easy. Warped. Yeah. yeah. Like, you go live in uh, northern Canada, like, you're not having an easy life. It's yeah. not up there. And, yeah. like, if you go live in, like, Italy, like, life's going to be fine. Like, <laughs> you have nice weather and well, just nice food. Well, even just think about it. If, if you're a homeless person, you kind of can't be homeless in, like, the Northwest Territories in Canada, you'll just die. It's so cold. You need a house, right? Yeah. Yeah. But like here, you can be homeless and be okay. You know? Oh yeah, I mean the climate's fine. Things are nice here. I, I, I think like it's an, it's a really interesting thing to think about because like maybe now uh, there's like a little bit more of like a thought process behind this, but like countries that are centered around the Mediterranean and uh, like more acclimate nations, I think that they're 
perceived to have less of a work ethic and like be less successful as as a nation like if you go look at just the economic state of italy or france spain portugal you go look at you know like countries that surround the mediterranean and maybe other places that have nice warm tropical climates like they're kind of associated with a lackadaisical like chill lifestyle it's like where you go to vacation but you're not going there to make a business deal yeah we're I think absolutely. Hello, friends. We wanted to remind you about our exclusive offer from Element for Hybrid Unlimited listeners. You can snag a free gift when you purchase your pack of Element over at www.drinkelement.com slash hybrid. That's www.drinklmnt.com slash hybrid. You can also find that link in the show notes or over on the podcast Instagram page. If you sweat, you need Element. It's the tastiest electrolyte supplement on the market, trusted by athletes at the highest level. We love it, and we know you will too. All right, back to the show. But you know what I actually wanted to tie it back in? Because this was, believe it or not, like a 15-minute tangent from the original thing we were talking about. What's uh, <laughs> That's the story of the show. He, he, yeah, he was talking <laughs> about uh, you realized you didn't want to be in social work for the rest of your life. Absolutely. So you went out and was it a Muay Thai gym that you started at that point? Um, so Yeah, no, how did Battleaxe start? That's a good question. So the 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 name Battle Axe came from when I was in Thai, I had a really good right round kick. That was, I mean, I was all legs. I, my hands were okay, but I can. I, I don't know if you legs. know this, but you're still all legs. Yeah, yeah. yes. <laughs> you're a big dude, but dear diary, I'm gonna take that one part and I'm gonna put it on repeat. But I, well, thank you. We'll send um, you the clip. So I mean, only that clip. Um, so what my Coach Wes, who's still a good friend of mine, mentor, he would say that when you, I would always fight bigger guys because I was just very small for my weight. I was a very dense guy. What's your, I, what's your height and weight or what was it? I'm 5'10". I fought as low as 178 and I fought as high as 205, which is insane oh, wow. if you look at it. Um, oh, but you know, God. you never turn yeah. down well, fights What do you like weigh that. now? 258 this morning, which is, awesome. which is cool because I've been training really hard for it. Um, but thank you. Yeah. And I almost 40 is not, it's not the worst, right? No, uh, if I can't great. get tall, like most motherfuckers, I'll get wide. <laughs> but he said that my leg, like to be a battle axe, like cut the big trees down. If you uh, kick people cool. hard enough in the leg, they drop their hands, right? Have you ever been in a tie fight? The harder they kick the legs, they start to kind of like drop their hands. So that's how the term battle axe came. Mm. Um, that's a real terminology. Not so much like, of course, it fit into the Viking kind of Valhalla mythology. But it started from your But it fighting. started from fighting days. And then huh. when I opened up the gym, um, I remember I took a credit card, American Express, and my one, two weeks paycheck as a social worker, and I maxed it all out. I burnt the paycheck. I maxed out the card. I think it was like 1900 because I was 27, 28. And I maxed it out. And I bought, you know, the rock, the log, a couple of stones, and 10 years later, like, here we are. And I, I had always identified, I called it uh, a strength gym. I didn't call it a strongman gym, which I still hold the philosophies. I wouldn't call it that until I decided to compete in strongman. Sure, yeah. And I wouldn't say it was a powerlifting gym until I competed in powerlifting. Well, what was, was it like, gym. you know, 10 years ago, trying to build a gym from nothing? And, like, like how did you even get the message out there that you had a gym because that was probably yeah. pre having a following on social there was, media there and... was instagram wasn't around then um there was a facebook but facebook was not what we see it now there was no like you know facebook groups and things like that a lot of that happened through word of mouth i had transitioned from 
you know, training clients at 24 Hour Fitness. And then I went into social work and I trained some side clients. But those side clients, eventually when I did that, and I started talking about it on Facebook and with my friends. At the time, my rent was only 600 bucks, imagine. Wow. When my, yeah, for 800 square feet, $600. That was how long ago that was. Less than a dollar a square foot. It's fucking amazing. <laughs> so yeah. all I needed was six clients. At the time, I still worked as a social worker for the first year and a half. before. I, so I worked social working, I trained, and I coached. Um, and I tried to develop this business. It was all word of mouth. It was literally going to other gyms and giving business cards. And it's what I call eating shit sandwiches. <laughs> and being embarrassed. Because it was embarrassing. Like, I'm a fucking man. And I have pride. And to go to big gyms, like big CrossFit gyms and big LA Fitness and being looked at like, the fuck is Battle Axe? Like, what is this? You know, where are you located? Oh, here. And they're like, oh, you're like a warehouse gym? Okay. And, you know, That's hey, me. man, come to these it's events. It's ironic that a CrossFit gym would look down on a warehouse Because gym. at the time, <laughs> you're right. The CrossFit was the tits, you know? Like, if you weren't CrossFit, everything else was, you know, there was some good CrossFit. Shout out mm -hmm. to CrossFit Cube at the time. That was very supportive. But it was hard. And you have to, but that, that bit makes you ambitious. It makes you creative. It makes mm. you ingenious. It well, makes you it either hardens you to like continue yeah. to go out like or, dude, or like, weeds you out. Yeah, part part of uh, the business development process for any business. And like we're engaged with it. So like my main business, like we basically sell a product to banks and credit unions and mortgage companies. Like mm -hmm. not sexy, not at all. They don't give a fuck about it unless it's a huge pain point. So we get told you know no ninety nine percent of the time. Right. And the couple times that we get a yes, it's like a huge win for That's us. It's a huge win. But there's something to be said about learning to take a kick to the teeth and continuing on your mission. It's like, yeah. listen, I mean, I, there's so many days in our business where I'm just like, fuck, like, what the fuck? Why am I like, doing this? this? Fucking... And it was a lot worse at the early days. And now we're more stable and things are mature. But there's something to be said for learning to persevere through adversity, especially... I always try to tie in the world of athletics to the world of business because I think that there's a lot of overlap. Same. For sure. And I think that getting told no and learning that it's not the end of the world. There was a, a guy that I, I work with, uh, one of our clients, and we, I had dinner with him a couple of months ago, and he's like 70, you know, but sharp as a tack. And the thing that he told me at that dinner was really important. He said that in the sales process, it's the guy that tells you no is the greatest thing that could happen to you that day because you can move on to the next potential client, potential sale quicker, right? So like, right. So I like, like who says you know as, as opposed to the person who's like, uh, maybe you will. Yeah, because yeah, like you'll follow up with that person for a year, right? Like you have to, right? because they give you hope, right? In the sales process, like if they say maybe, like, oh, all right, cool. Like, let's we'll talk to you soon, right? But <laughs> the guy that tells you no, at least you're like, okay, that's not the route. Let's go on to the next guy. Uh, I think it's a good lesson for life. Yeah, and I think it's a good lesson to, to always impart on people because whether, whether you own your own business, you own your own gym, you're a personal trainer, a single no means nothing. Nope. Right? Like if you even get rejected by somebody, uh, like, okay, great. There's 5 billion, 8 billion people on the planet. Right. And I think that, I think that really solidifies if you want it bad enough. And I know that's a very cliche term, but it's very easy, and I'm not dogging on online coaching, but it's very easy to just kind of let that sweep under the rug when things are not being thrown in your face. Mm -hmm. When you're going out there and you have a rent to pay and an overhead, and you're getting shit on by permitting and 
you know, people not showing up and there's this pressure, it really weeds out how really, how much you really want to fucking have this. Because when it comes to making money and being lucrative, the Battle Axe Gym, I don't really have to have it. My, mm. uh, my money comes online just as much. I just fucking love to coach hands-on. It's, it's not, you can never take that away from me. I don't care if it goes from 100 feet to 50,000 square feet. And I knew that, that my purpose was not, online coaching wasn't even a, a concept to me. Being a leader in coaching was, and the brick and mortar was the best way I can like see you pro progress. Like I was seeing progress when I had my coach. You could not fucking take that away from me. And the first five fucking years, and I tell this all the time, man, I, and I shout out to my girlfriend, Megs, that I've been with for 12 years. Dude, I didn't do shit. Nothing. I didn't go on fucking vacations. I had a 2100 Accord, La Poderosa, that I sold, and I love her. That's my baby. <laughs> I still know where she's at. Like, I'm like, that Keep was my car. Yeah, that was my car. <laughs> with the fucking ceiling. It yeah. probably had, a, a, like, asbestos on that shit. Like, but that was my, I didn't care. I could just imagine you, like, sitting down the street, just kind of, like, that looking was, at it with binoculars That was my green Prius, though. Like, getting out of that shit. Mm, just bro, making sure the new owner is treating her right. Yeah. yeah. I was like, I, I, I saw him. I go, hey, how you treating my accord? He's a Jamaican guy. He's like, good, man. I'm like. All right, all right, all right. Are you sure? Yeah, you sure? Take care of the fucking I'll bat. find you. <laughs> Got a machete here, bro. You don't know. Don't make me pull out the battle and axe. I, I see how it works, yeah. literally. <laughs> and I, I, that, that was my whole first four or five years. I mean, doing seminars for free, you know, accepting clients, working with CrossFit, yes and no, and not doing anything for the first, as anything and in a business. When you open up a business for the first three to five years, it's a fucking battle. I didn't go anywhere. I dedicating my life to understanding, going to seminars, being wrong, and competing way too much, which probably is the reason why my body broke down so tremendously, is because I equated competing often to generating clientele, because at the time... There's some truth to it. True, and it's correct. At the yeah, time, I mean, that's what I thought was the best avenue, because social media, maybe it was smaller, but I was also not as good at it. But if you saw me at every fucking competition kicking mm -hmm. some fucking ass, you were going to find me as a coach. Yeah, and I had to put my skin in the sure. game and cut my teeth on that. And yeah. now, I'm not saying that it makes you any less good, but you can compete once or twice a year, make some incredible media, and you're fucking good. My first year of Strongman, I competed six times in a fucking year, including powerlifting. And I was, a fuck, I was tenacious, but I won a bunch. And within two, three years... God, that must have hurt so bad. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> to, to my insurance Bro. company. They're fucking loving that shit. But yeah, I did. <sighs> and I and I did that for a lot of years because I, back then, to compete often as a coach was lucrative. Mm -hmm. Now you can see people compete less with better media coverage and better posting and better, which I respect. I get it. But back then, if you didn't go to, I don't know if you remember, Raw Unity. Yeah, you I didn't go in the, in the last one. Yeah, yeah and that's nine, what I made a whole post about Throwdown. You know why I want Throwdown? You know why Throwdown's mine? Because that was my first powerlifting meet as a coach and as an athlete. It's fucking mine now. But that was in 2015, four, uh, 14. Who was hosting it back then? That was when it was at the Port St. Lucie Convention Center. There was oh, a yeah. guy called I the Bear Family. That I did used a few meets there. Yeah, really? that's the old oh, days. Yeah. With a really shitty court. Uh, I don't know <laughs> yeah. if I... <laughs> did we do anything though? I think there was a bunch like in the Tampa area. I did when we first started 
you know, Dude, as my, a group. A bunch of my first powerlifting meets were up there, uh, Port St. Lucie. Yeah. Was it, it was either Defuniac Springs or Defuniac Falls. Yeah, you've been here for a little God. bit. Yeah. yeah. That he's was a, like he's the, a Florida man. The now. APA meets bo- yes, uh, that Bobby used to put on. Bobby, yeah. Yeah, I did. yeah, yeah, yeah. I did a bunch of those. That was, and that was uh, when Raw Unity, I made, I made this fucking post, but when Raw Unity stopped, that's where I met, I mean, I met all the Eddie Cohen was there at one point. Um, mm-hmm. I remember it being the ant. You remember the ant? That was oh yeah, Richard, uh, Richard Hawthorne. Hawthorne. These are uh, these uh, these are all big names back then coming to f- this shitty fucking town of Florida. Yeah, not even like Miami. No, that's how big this place because there was no big raw meats back then. Yeah. Once uh, John Hack fr- did it too. John Hack. Man, my meat's too sophisticated. All yeah. the yeah, was too sophisticated. Now, now there's some decent meats Greg here. Greg Higa was there, dude, and uh-huh. these oh, these are all meats that big we. Boy. Yeah, man, he's, he's a, a big fucking boy. Awesome. I love. Well, that's my boy. Yeah, dude. He's I love great. that guy. He's an awesome guy. And you grew up around that. You had to be there, and that's when we started. Like I always said, we're gonna load plates for people. I'm gonna be involved. I'm gonna shake every motherfucker's hand. I'm gonna be in. Like you had to hustle. Mm-hmm. You couldn't just be, like we were saying, like a physique or a look or an image. You ha- if, as I saw Florida as my first stepping stone. And I was at every Battle of the Bay, every Raw Unity. I had all my guys drive up. I did a couple of Battle of the Bays. You remember? Yeah, we yeah, were yeah. fucking going. That was going. my first meet, too. I bombed out of it. I couldn't yeah, we competed yeah, in No shit. My first, my first powerlifting meet ever was Battle of the Bay. They had it outdoors. Which one it was, was on it? The, it was the one like literally on, on the, beach. the beach. Yep. Yep, yep, yep. I was there. That and was it got 26. cold, right? And that was like Fika's meat. At night, it got, and it it got, got cold. warming up outdoors. And I I had like back squatted like 250 kilos. This was when I was, <laughs> so it was like natty. And yeah. I'd never done a powerlifting meet. I bombed out on bench because I missed the rack command on a 140 kilo bench. Yeah. <laughs> and then I couldn't make you were, 150. You were pretty strong deadlifter back then. I, deadlift, even, I went on to deadlift 290 at that same meet. With the 140 bench. The 140 bench. That you missed on... Com- oh, I heard <laughs> Yes. We were there for a while. I remember, like, after my Stupid. last lift of just getting a bunch of drinks and sitting on the beach. I'm like, it's a cool. <laughs> it was six right spot. Now. Like, I, I know what that is. You know what I know? I, I was there because you remember that back room when we were warming up on that uh, wooden floor? Yeah. I'm like... That I don't, tent, you know. I was like... It I was go, a tent. I, I go, Rich, I go, oh, the tent with <laughs> yeah. the heated tent. I go, is this, <laughs> this going to hold us? You know, like, we Bro, talked about this. Oh, no, that's a different one you're thinking of. I know exactly what we're talking about. No, we're talking about the one yeah. St. Pete and uh, St. Pete in the no, little, no, no. like the little it, had, uh, it was like almost like a little cabana yes back. it was in a hotel yeah what yeah. was that yeah yeah I know oh, what year that was no, but this, I know the exact one I went to that one also yeah yeah they had, it had like a little wooden floors tiny, being yeah, like yeah, riches yeah. it's gonna hold he's like man we tested it yesterday I'm like fuck it man like this is <laughs> this is what's going on right now you know I gotta say this is gonna sound a little bougie of me but I don't miss when I was actively competing the little small town meets cause like Honestly, those were my favorite ones. Really? Because, like, I felt, I, I just felt like the environment was so much more, like, conducive when I went to some of the bigger ones where, like, everyone was treating it, like, seriously. And, like, well, you know what it is? It's like when you go to, uh, there's pros and cons to both, right? But let's say, like, you go to a, a baseball game or a hockey game, you know, you can sit front row, right? And everybody's respectful and clapping. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like, you know, that's the, the premier experience but you want to sit with the real fans you go up to the nosebleeds and it's chaos up there and that's what those local meets were just get it wild it's just like like, i remember the battle of the bay like the sunshine games we went to like a bunch of local ones we did and it was just like 
just like it was just kind of disgusting <laughs> so like I, okay look i, I not this like, is a good discussion i've had a few times it's a nuanced thing what i'm saying yeah but, but I, I, i'm not shitting on it but like i just have i definitely came out at the end of that run i was like okay i got a preference no it's, very, <laughs> like, it's great that you have both perspectives like i've i've been on both ends from from literally world's strongest man i've seen world's strongest man mm -hmm. to local shows to seeing local powerlifting meets to seeing worlds and nationals i would err on the side of if you can make the athlete comfortable and make the audience as close as possible there's a very delicate mix what ends up happening is both sides of the spectrum the smaller the show the better the audience does the more the athlete suffers the bigger the show the better the athlete does the more the audience suffers and i because when you go to a big show it's like either like a big expo or a big fucking, you know, something big. And the audience is so widespread. They're like, there's like four platforms. And like, you know sure. what? Look at this the Arnold or fucking something. sucks. The athlete has everything. There's AC. There's like a, there's a very delicate line. Yeah. And as hosting a show, like I've hosted three. I will never, ever want it to be so big that that scale tips. Well, I so think makes, it's a very yeah. delicate balance. I think in powerlifting, you could do it because a lot of the best meets i ever did boss of bosses uh us open the hybrid showdowns all very professionally run very professionally set up for the athlete it was well ran there was tvs in the back so you could kind of tell because like i don't like being but like how big was that like it wasn't well how many platforms was it the uh, hybrid showdown just here. one we I had know, two days the last one right the last current you know why that run well because it was run professionally, but it was kept homey. Yeah. yeah. And that's exactly what I'm saying. Well, that's what I liked about Boss of Bosses as yeah. well. Yeah, same. I yeah. went to Boss of Bosses 2015. That was... Yeah. Dude, but like Boss of Bosses, some of my favorite meet ever. What was the what was I, the one that we did in... Um, that Ed was the head coach on? It was... Uh, uh, it was back meet? when it was Reebok Record Breakers. Right, still. so Record Breakers. Mm -hmm. oh, Unbelievable. I remember that. Yeah, yeah. but I... I like the first big fat paycheck. Yeah, it was yeah, yeah. before the US Open yeah, came yeah, out. Yeah, yeah, it was yeah. sick, but like... I, I never done a powerlifting meet where it was like in the Arnold type thing or when they did the US Open like at that at that uh, convention set or anything like that. Like everyone I did that I found to be like really conducive to me doing well was like in a gym like this. But it was like professionally run and that was that's the bar. Right. That's what they so we did get good crowds. Like there was a, uh, a dude, the crowds we got like four hundred people crammed in here. Yeah, yeah. That's that same thing when I so I've been enough. That's why we did it in the brewery when you guys. Yeah. I'm like, well, first of all, powerlifting get really fucking boring. And I've been an audience and an athlete and a coach. I'm like, let's give. Why can't we do both? Right. That, the last one I went to was amazing. Oh, the unbranded It was one? so yeah. much fun. We didn't want to tank. I just want to say it openly. I did it at fucking tank. Because some people. What's some, tank? Sometimes people uh, think brewery. that they're recreating the idea. But okay. In 2019, we did it at the brewery at tank. And. That was a time where there, like, there was a riff in Florida. Like, let's be real mm. here, dog. The reason why we haven't commiserated is because there was a lot of beef going on, dude. But now we're almost 40 <laughs> years old. Who gives a fuck? I said this openly, dog. I'm an open book. Like, Danny from Soul is, is my boy. Uh -huh. And there was a lot of weird beef in Florida for a long time. Oh, but, but I have no problem with Danny. Nobody oh. does. But the thing is that powerlifting well, is very, it's like... not necessarily true. Like, but it's, that's... Yeah, well, not, not, not from my end. No, no, yeah. no, no, no. Exactly, exactly. Okay, end. exactly. You know, but no, he I'll, said nobody does, and that's not well, necessarily Well, no, like true. on my end, on my end. And like, yeah. I always say this all the time. I'm like, I know where the battle axe stands, right? Mm -hmm. And I remember 
like in that whole aspect with the USPA, WRPF, and things getting a, a muck. I'm like, you know what I'm going to do? Instead of talking shit, I'm going to do my own fucking show. Because I don't like to talk shit I can't back up. I'm like, you know what I'm going to do? And you know what really is good with powerlifting? Alcohol. <laughs> because the first thing you do when they get the bench is like, does anybody want to get a beer? Or like, I know a certain large gentleman that would emphatically agree with. Right. I mean, like, let's be real. Dan Bell. You just, you just need Dan Danny, Bell. Danny Bell knows who I am, dog. <laughs> he gets it. Like, and again, like Danny is just, MDLP. You know can what I'm can talking we sidetrack? About? Like, we. I he, love sidetracking. He was my. He he probably made it on. We did a, a t- like a countdown recently. Two different episodes where we did like. Each of all, we brought a list ten feats of strength that we consider to be. Did we agree to that? Misha, Ko- Misha Kok- Kokleyev. Yeah, Misha Kokleyev. Who who chose that? Me. He me. did. That dude. He's the only guy world class yeah. in weightlifting, powerlifting, and strongman. And one of the world's strongest men. Yeah. Period. It wasn't like bullshit. But like Dan made it on my list a couple times because sure. you know what I I got the chance to train with him a bunch leading up to the U.S. Open 2021, but mm-hmm. I also got to compete with him at that Kern, and I got to watch him set the all-time world record. I mean. I've just never seen somebody able to compete and express strength so just in a mind-blowing way and yet drink so much. Man, he, it yeah. was fu- he's, he's unreal. He it was like Andre the Giant when he grabs like shit. I could not wrap my head around it. I'm like, you just squatted 500 kilograms and you're going to go pound a beer? Like, like nothing. How? I like Danny, man. I still, I've, yeah, he's I've known a, a great dude. Too. I, have a, I have a funny... Uh, Danny Soul story, re- yeah. a recent one. Uh-huh. It doesn't actually directly involve him, but I'll explain it. Yeah. So uh, you, you know Enriqueta's, yeah, right? sure. So uh, oh. this was probably like a month ago. It's my favorite. I go into Enriqueta's, and if you've been to Enriqueta's, you know what the deal is, right? Like you walk in, you just sit down, they ignore you for fifteen minutes. Classic. When it's you know when it, when they decide you're worthy you of service, they really... come over and they help you. Right? <laughs> you're you're really now. Hey, but, you ever get the really young waitress there who's just angry, mean as shit? Oh yeah, I she's saw the only her. young girl there, and she's so mean. I know. I love her though. That's why. Like I. That's why. I, I She's like those like places where they treat you, you terribly because you know they don't need your business. <laughs> no, go ahead for Listen, you know the funny thing. Have you ever looked at the like? So like, I'm in the real estate business. Have you ever looked at the footprint of that facility? Was not good. Have well, you seen what's around it? Yeah, no. they had to build around it because so they, they refuse to sell themselves. And I, the the wife of the guy who started it, and her daughter and son, they all work there. So I was like, I I started going there a lot before. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I was just. It was just lazy. I would just walk there for lunch every day. I'd get like a half chicken, go back to my office, like pass out. But like I would start talking to her and I'm like, listen, like why didn't you guys sell to these people? They probably offered you a lot of money. She's like, eh, they $10 million, didn't offer us enough. $10 million is what I heard was like, offered to them. And now it's just, now they and just they're, have they're their like, spot. We don't, want, we don't like how the neighborhood's changing. We're going to keep it. <laughs> so that they it's had the to, best dude, fucking story so ever. Great. It's amazing. They had, they had to amazing. build the entire condo complex around, around it, it. Yeah. it's built like this and now they just have this <laughs> little <laughs> yeah. shit but it's packed it's a 50 million dollar building yeah it's packed but it's like the last like cuban yeah, spot yeah, yeah. you could go it to was like before they did, um, what was that bar they did that they tore it down tobacco road i wish they would have said they kept uh, that for by kush in uh brickle it's a brick. Oh no! It's, no, it's a Kush brick. Kush is right here. No, 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 tobacco there, road. There's Tobacco Road by Kush, which is oh, a, oh so that's a remake of the original Tobacco oh, Road okay. that was built in like 1912. Oh, okay. the oldest so like bars in the East Coast, to it. and they knocked it down. I wish they would have held like that. Damn. Anyway, it is a cool story. Yeah, to right? It makes story. you want to go there. Yeah. So, anyways, 
I walk in and then there's an older couple and uh, a little kid and they're just standing there. So I'm like, oh, you know, I, I stand behind them for like, you know, a minute and I'm like, okay, they don't understand, you know, how it works here. So I went and just sat down and a few minutes later, the uh, older guy, he comes over to me looking really upset and he goes, you know, we were going to sit there, right? And I was like, if you were going to sit here, you'd be you sitting, sitting here. here. <laughs> <laughs> and like we had a little back and forth, whatever, you know, and we'd like, we like, we kind of both got worked up a little bit, yeah. but whatever. He goes and sits down, him and his family, uh, they're sitting, you know, right across so I can see him. And like we're both facing each other. Oh, Jesus. And uh, after a while, I go, I know this guy. Like, who the hell is this guy? And it's like, you know, when it's like, it's like on the tip of your tongue, but yes. on your brain. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> that's what I had. I'm like, I know it. And I almost had it like five times. Eventually, I'm like, that's Danny's dad. Oh, yes. I oh just saw him with some tea the other day. So, yeah. uh, who's an awesome guy, by <laughs> the way? He's fucking great. Awesome guy. He was always so, so cool. Like, yeah. when he I was in the gym. Seat. And yeah. also, he looks great. I told him this after. So, yeah. uh, so eventually, I, I, I tell my girlfriend, I'm like, Oh, I I know this I guy. Know like, I need to go go yeah. say what's up. <laughs> so, uh, she had pre like a, a few seconds previously, like before that, he was he was actually mature and he came over and he was just like, "Hey, man, I'm sorry I got worked up. It's all, like don't oh, worry about gee, it. Like, you know, yeah, he was yeah, he's he, like that, yeah. whatever. So I was like, oh, honestly, man, same. Me too. It's it's all good. And then the, after that, that's when I realized. So I went over and I said, hey. I just realized I'm pretty sure we know each other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he goes, from where? And I'm like, I used to work out at CrossFit Soul. Yeah. You're Danny's dad, right? Yeah. And he's like, oh, yeah. I am. Oh, like, well, dude, that's like, <laughs> I met him. It's funny. That's crazy, dude. I just ran into him like on Monday. I was getting tea at a place. And uh -huh. like, that whole family is dope, man. It's like the Miami strength culture. Again, we just talked about this off air. Miami is very small. Uh-huh. And... The only thing that ever breeds respect is consistency and self in this fucking town. Like, that's it. You just just be your fucking self all the fucking time as long as you can. I'm not, like I tell you this openly, like I'm not trying to portray, like, portray myself as a saint. I'm always the same fucking guy. If anything, we're tired now. <laughs> you know, when people, when people are like, oh, Mike, you're not the guy you used to. Actually, I've had this discussion. Maybe you guys understand now as business owners, entrepreneurs, and patriarchs of your family. But I had a good discussion with a close friend of mine. He's like, oh, man, you know, the gym's not the same. You know, you're not the same person you used to be. And I said, you're right. Mm -hmm. Because a man it took to build this gym is not the same man it's going to take to sustain this gym. Because at the beginning, at 28 to 33, I could be a savage. Mm -hmm. I can kick people out. I can be so adamant and like violent about my expressions that, you know, we loaded plates at the gym. I remember loading plates for you and Steffi. I remember creating a culture by yelling at these motherfuckers. I'm like, you better roll those fucking gym. You know, like I was really at them. Now I'm like, that guy doesn't have to be there anymore because you've developed like an ecosystem. Sure. And that's probably the the whole underlying factor of a lot of things in Miami and strength coaches. Like you can't always be that guy. It doesn't mean you're not that guy. It's again, a, a muscle. How do you have to flex it often? Like I had 40, almost 40 years old. Do I really have to yell anymore? I'm going to go, 
Can I talk to you for a second? Like, yeah, I mean, yeah. Like, how weird is it? And like, you'll probably like, get a better result from doing it that way than because, if you yeah. just yell because at the person. I've, exactly. You take the Teddy Roosevelt approach. And I, I, I said that that I was talking to my guys. Oh man, you got a hybrid? I'm like, yeah, dude. There was a separation for a long time because that's the way the the culture works. I go, but we're all grown men. We got to pay bills. I mean, my dad. I love my dad. My dad. I almost lost my dad two months ago. I'm like, I got to pay bills, dog. I got to take care of my family. We're grown men. We have responsibility. We have property. We have taxes. We have fucking real shit. Do you really think I want to... I mean, I love to throw hands, but I'm old now. You know what I mean? Like, que rico, dog. You know what I'm saying? But, you know, but at the same time, I'm like... Can we just, like, you know, have a podcast? Can we have a fucking drink? And I tell this, I tell this to all the guys all the time. I'm like, you know how we've been around for 10 years? Consistency and self. Uh-huh. that's it I'm not saying I'm a fucking sane or I'm not a scumbag or I haven't fucking it's just consistency and identity and I talked about this in the last podcast I did I'm like what gets you out of fear of progress what gets you out of fear of progression and business and strength it's consistency whatever you want to use it for like oh discipline gets me there motivation gets me there whatever you want to use Consistency. You know how you got so fucking strong? Consistency. Mm-hmm. Oh, but I use discipline. Yeah, but sometimes you use a really good oh, song or caffeine I mean, pills, you know? Listen, uh, you can have the best discipline on earth, but like if you're disciplined for three months out of the year and then the other nine months out of the year, you come sure. in and, and you you don't actually try or, you know, you don't go into your office every day and do like do your due diligence to fucking progress. Like, you might as well not do anything. Dude, that, so that's always like discussing amongst people that are in the sport. There was a time where everyone was like, oh, discipline over motivation. I talk about this a lot. Mm-hmm. They're like, discipline, discipline. I'm like, okay, look, discipline is a tool, like motivation. Sure, yeah. You cannot tell me that discipline, like 80% discipline. I'm like, that's not true. That's not true. Because sometimes my motivation is my family. And there is no amount of discipline that will outweigh the necessity to be a good man to my family. Yeah. And you can't tell me that. Oh, but this, no, 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 no. Because it's a motivation external, discipline is internal. Mm-hmm. External factors like being a good brother, a good boyfriend, a good son is bigger than being a good athlete or being driven. Yeah. And yeah. I tell that to my athletes all the time. And as business owners... Yes, it's really good to swing dick and be like, yeah, this is us. <laughs> but you know what's really kick-ass? Buying your mom something kick-ass. Buying your girl, hey, you, I'll pay for that shit. That's motivation. That's mm-hmm. not discipline. That's the truth. Listen, yeah. At the end of the day, all this stuff is just sort of, you know, whatever. It's splitting hairs. Right, word. Right, and oh, really so. the only thing that matters is the guy that's most consistent. Yeah. The guy that shows up to the gym for 10 years is going to be the guy, is, is going to be better than the guy that showed up for one year. And, yeah. and stopped yeah word and that's like when we talked about you know opening up the gym and things like that it's like yes discipline progressed at 10 years but i was motivated to open that gym mm-hmm. i was motivated to be a coach and well you discipline after doing it though definitely is yeah, what kept it going of course and there's no but I, I do get what you're saying about there's no denying the... each what's more important it, it depends, right? Like, and I, you know, that's, here he is. To yes. me, it's just the most consistent person. Longest period of time. Yeah. Who is it? That guy's going to be the winner. And there's always, like, again, I, my, so to be, put things visually, 
it's always what you're going to reach out of your toolbox. To me, motivation, discipline, anger, rage, compassion, kindness, these are all tool sets. If you look at this in a psychological perspective or anything in a cognitive sense of practice, uh, putting things into a visualization is very important for human beings. Mm -hmm. How are you going to put this for somebody? If you look at, look at it as a tool set, mm. what to pick at a certain time is extremely powerful. I know when to be disciplined, which sometimes you know goes away. But motivation. But you always come back to it. Of course. That's long term. That's one of my favorite tools. How many of you guys have your favorite tool set? Let's be real. Discipline is probably one of my f motivation, um, perseverance, courage. These are like my screwdrivers, my flatheads, mm -hmm. my fucking wrench. Hey, once in a while, you got a fucking buzzsaw. And I know it sounds silly in the sense when you discuss it, but it's not when you put it into that visualize, like when you visualize it. And so oh, yeah. as a business owner, as an athlete, and as a coach, I tell all my athletes the same thing. I'm like, these are all tool sets. They're not GPS systems. Emotions and all that stuff is when to use each thing. And that's how, you know. There, and there's, a, there's a million tools you can use that, that are beneficial. Even ones people think are negative, like guilt, shame. Fantastic. You know, those are all, there's been many times in my life where I don't want to necessarily come into the gym, but the shame of being like, I, I'm not going to be the person yes. who walks the walk is something that, hey, super that, powerful that makes me come in, you know? Not a lot of people talk about that shit. Like, that's one of my favorite things to talk about is empowering I don't, the shameful things like guilt, you know, self-hatred. Those things are, if you look at them as a tool set, mm -hmm. it's not the worst thing in the world. Well, when used as a tool positively as opposed to like a weapon against yourself because like what if you For all sure. you did was express guilt like oh i'm guilty i ate a donut or like i feel shame because i just went out to eat like no dude like, like you, you that's you're looking at it the wrong lens mm. at the end of the day and I, I think everything that we express uh as, as adults now it's like either you learn to use it constructively or it's going to be the tool that buries you in the ground and 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 to correlate this to training, right? Because like you, I'm the same way. It's like max effort, volume. Yeah, that's my favorite thing because I worked so closely with McGill and Locke. They're like clamshells, big uh, big three. Like, oh, it all depends. Like, what are you using this for? It's a yeah. tool set, not a GPS. Of course, there's zealots and people that are like adamant about it. That's cool. Just like everyone, there's certain people that only live with anger or only do these things. I'm like, how are you going to use this tool set for a particular time to better yourself? Mm -hmm. If you're an injured athlete, I have had three surgeries. At one point, walking was a PR. Are you going to tell me that walking is a waste of time? You, you can't physically, scientifically, and biomechanically tell me that it's not fair. To you right now, as a fucking strong human being, of course, yeah. Stupid waste oh, of time. Dude, I think, for most I think part, walking is fantastic. It's fantastic for the most part. Yeah, right? I mean, like when I was like at the top peak. Yeah, of, and that's, uh, that's what I tell people. Like when you when you look at anything where it involves back mechanics or biomechanics in general, it all depends on application. Mm -hmm. Like what we just talked about, um, Bulgarian spit squats, which I love, which I hate. 
Oh, they're the worst. Yeah, right. Do, are they good for everybody? Don't recommend. But you feel you feel accomplished <laughs> after you do them. You do, they're but the at the same they're time, so like, you never want to do them again. I no. fucking. I love them. to program these things Ugh. so bad. You're a, you're. A, I haven't done no, a Bulgarian mean, mean in like, coach since Nam when I was like saving all your fucking freedoms. Yeah, no. But what I like that's my whole perspective is like. The first thing I learned, and that was when I actually spoke to Stuart McGill personally, which was one of the greatest moments we, of my I, life. I uh, w- went to an appointment with him because uh, I'm I'm from Canada. No, yeah, yeah. And uh, he's up in Gravenhurst, like in really Canada. Far, right there. And this was when, when I was still dating Steffi, and she was having all those back problems. We went right. up to see him, like right at his house. But it's life changing, because what you realize is like it. It kind of all depends, right? Like yeah. Am I right? Am I, oh, yeah. When I spoke to him, I was like, I thought he was- It was like a four-hour appointment. Was, yeah, I thought was, I was like, okay, he's going to tell me this, this, and this. And then he's like, well, you know, with his kick-ass, he's like, well, Michael. And I'm like, oh, thanks a lot. You call me Michael. God, that's cool. I was like, like, like fanboy. And I'm like, well, it all depends, right? And that it all depends is kind of universal in our strength community. But it's very easy to take something and be like, oh, well, you don't only believe in this. I'm like, not necessarily. And I'm a big practitioner and a big person that admits, like at one point, I was super adhered to back mechanics in the big three, but I was ignorant to the fact that I was just minusculizing, uh, making something very minuscule of the concept of, this is the only thing that matters when I can adapt this very big. Mm-hmm. And yeah, over the years, and this, that's also a philosophical term too, express business and get ourselves where we are today but you know i digress well, michael yeah that was that was beautiful get out of here what's here. you're an eloquent man i'm curious <sighs> what what the type of person that was started with you at battle x gym what did a member used to look like mm-hmm. versus oh. what does a member look like now that's a fucking great question by the way jesus so i think originally my members were people that were trying to find something like hardcore Mm-hmm. Um, their identity was to belong to something that was very different and very hard to do and then as we belong to something now I think that I've always wanted to develop a culture but I wasn't mature enough to do that 28 sounds mature when you're 28 mm-hmm. but I was <laughs> and admittedly I'm sorry to everybody who's listening to a very immature as a as a coach and as a person in that sense where i thought that the harder would harder i was the more yelling and the more like aggressive i was you know the more militant that it would breed a better client but what it did was just like really kind of weed out people that could have been something better i was more understanding um so the original client was people that were probably a little bit more mentally tough but were unaware that they were going to go very far and then now, um, there's an established culture, and the client is landing on a kind of ecosystem. So I don't know if you guys know, like, on Instagram. So I know this is kind of a weird correlation. This is just my the way my brain works. I like those guys that develop like a little ecosystem in a jar. They put like moss and snails. Yeah, like little terrariums. Mm-hmm. That's exactly. That's you have your own terrarium. I want to build exactly. You are a little snail landing in something that has been cultivated for 10 years. and But you're landing on something that has rules and perspective and ideology and is a culture. And so the, the, the lifter that lands on my lap now is more educated. 
they're more aware. Mm. They know lifters and they know meets and they know numbers. Ten years ago, if I said, what's your total? They're like, what's a total? Yeah. <laughs> or like, have you heard of Milanichev? They're like, mm, Oh, God bless know? him. Yeah. <laughs> God exactly. bless you, Andre. Exactly. And like, they're more educated. They're faster. Their awareness, their ability to move around is, and their attention span is very quick. So there comes, you know, back then, 10 years ago, I can tell you one thing and you're going to adhere to it for a year. I can tell you, well, my man, you got the microphone on now? Oh, wow, guy. This, There it is. We're talking, we're breaking the fourth wall here. This is young George. Hey, young George. <laughs> okay, I'm talking to you, pal. Yeah. Okay, you're right. Okay. That's it. No, I, just, I was talking to you. I wasn't asking. You, but okay. <laughs> we'll talk later. We talk Lord of the Rings and Wolverine. But it's a different, like, okay, let me ask you a question. Sure. You've been in the game for a long time. Mm-hmm. As an athlete, like, what's your attention span 10 years ago? Years. And now uh, look at yourself now. 10 years ago. So funny. Yeah, I mean, it's it was very different what I was attracted to back then. Cause, so I came from an Olympic weightlifting background mm-hmm. before I got into powerlifting. And when I was coming up was the time where, do you, do you know who John North is? Yeah, North. God. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, he was all over the YouTube. Yeah. So he was like. hip thrust. Yeah, he was <laughs> yeah, yeah. Shot that boy, yeah. Yeah, so he was like, you know, he. I think he did so much for American weightlifting. And he was, you know, a wild man. And Amen. I, yeah. You I agree? must say, I love. He was like my motive because I same background. Yeah. Yeah. If yeah. I if I could that fucking say like gym in California that you said yeah, Cal, 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 Cal Strength, and then Donnie and Schenkel. then he branched Johnny's, out. Ooh, Schenkel, dog, dude, those guys, the, <laughs> Cal Strength, uh, shout out to them, did an enormous amount for American weightlifting. But if I had to look at like one guy and who did the most to like sensationalize it, I think it was John North. So I would I consumed all the content that back then it was Cal Strength. And then when John Norris split off or he went to MDUSA for a while, was watching all the, I would like Wednesdays when I was in university, I'd be like, I got to get home because I got to watch the MDUSA <laughs> live stream what went for their training. <laughs> you know, I would listen to his podcast, the Attitude Nation podcast. I was doing all that stuff. So that was pretty long form, yeah, yeah. you know? Do so you I was like, he used to drink like uh, large cold brew coffees and dump C4 into it. Yeah. I don't know if there was a correlation, but he had a heart attack later on. He did. He has a pacemaker now. No way. Yeah. That's probably the correlation. Uh, but he was just this crazy character that weightlifting needed at the time because it was just a bunch of, you know, golf clapping, like, you know, quiet yeah. little, like the gray-haired judges that were falling asleep in their chairs and all that kind of stuff. He brought some life but into it, for sure. He brought some life into it. And now but it's that, With that, like, I had an attention span for that, but it was very in your face sort of stuff mm-hmm. kind of more what the norm is now but back then it, it yeah. you know yeah, it, it was wasn't shocking. Yeah. but uh yeah i mean i used to i just i consumed so much on youtube with weightlifting and even before that bodybuilding just watching all the old ronnie coleman videos same. and all that stuff same, same. i think it was almost like because of the way social media has changed it's like it's changed my attention span to be shorter almost okay, exactly okay so you're I'm, I'm asking you 10 years ago you may name like three people four people let's say if you sure, really yeah. kick ass of course we can all like eight or nine 
now 40 30 oh, something yeah. if we really sat down here off the air and we go hey man what are 30 guys that are giving content we'll do it oh for sure let's go back as friends off the air and go hey give me te- 30 people 10 years ago to giving content we wouldn't get to like eight and as a coach as a lifter as a business owner that has been probably the hardest evolution to deal with it's like would you remember the days remember the days where if you had a question about strength training you could just call west side barbell oh my god and louis simmons would pick up and you'd go hey louis hey i have yes. a question about his back number squat. was on the no fucking reverse hyper come <laughs> yeah, on his yeah. number was on serious? the reverse yeah you could just call him did you ever do that <laughs> yeah one of my guys fernando did it's it's on the back of the reverse yeah. hyper you just get your shot come on and the other yeah. one was, remember, Bud Jeffries was another uh, Jeff- oh, God, there was early a, one. Hey, he rest in peace. Yeah, he passed away, right? He was a good dude. Did man. he? I thought it was his son. Yeah, no, but no, he, died, he passed dead, away too. Man. That's a Florida G right there, dude. Yeah, man. listen. It, he was a real OG. He was a real OG, God bless man. Him. And it's, a, a lot of people gave him shit, but he was probably one of the most athletic, largest human beings. And, and also and all, extremely kind. And super strong. Yeah, stupid Rega- strong. Regardless of like all the different weird things yeah, he did, yeah. like yeah. It, it worked for him. He was strong. Yeah, but he passed away, man. So this has been beautiful. Um, I'm going to I'm gonna be the guy that wraps this up Fair today. Enough. We could be here all day. No? I know. But <laughs> I have pizza. I have, we might have to do a part two. I have family obligations. I have part two, bro. <laughs> we should do it um, at your place. Done, man. Yeah, Bring for sure. Over. Yeah. You can have legitimate, legitimate battle axe lager that i have in my car right now damn there's only like eight cans left in the world beautiful damn. so thank you for coming but thank you guys for what's having me, um man. where can people find you and what's your so, like i feel like you have an ethos <laughs> and like the ethos of battle axe gym which people talk about um what how would you describe it in like Wait, one but, hold on before i want to give you a little shout out before you even go into this because ah. you no you have a very good reputation in the industry I don't know whether you're aware of that or not, but I've never once heard you come up where anybody has anything bad to say. And also, I, I don't know if you remember or not, but our gym reached out to you guys about having giving a circus dumbbell mm. uh, for when Eddie was in town. Sure. And it was like, no questions asked. You're like, yeah, whatever. It's all good. You just let us have it. Yeah. And uh, I think that that reputation that you have is well-deserved. And especially after talking to you, for this whole podcast, uh, I think you're doing such a good thing for Florida strength sports. So I appreciate that you being on the podcast, all that stuff. And first yeah, of all, thank you. I appreciate both of you guys. Um, I think my gym is bigger than who I am, and um, I openly admit that I'm not a great person or a good person, but I'm a bad man. There's good things, but my gym is bigger than who I am. It's a it's a collective of great people. And it's a great culture. And I've literally killed myself to push that place. So for you to say that means a lot to me. I could have easily turned on that circus stumble, but that's not why we got into this game in the fucking first place. Um, I wouldn't get here to be fucking petty. Mm-hmm. We got here to be, to be people that change people's lives and build legacy. And I talk about this often in my life. Um, and I see it more now as I get older that that values. So the, your words mean a lot to me because we don't have to be here, you know, talking shit like that. But that means a lot to me. And being on this uh, podcast after so many years means a lot. And if I had to say anything as far as um, going forward, 
is I would love a part two. I think we could probably sit here and talk shit for like five hours <laughs> because I think that people that have lived in this state long enough have seen a lot of turnover. Oh, yeah. um, but to still be alive in this community, especially in a brick and mortar, bro, saying to you, Hayden, like, and, and, and you being a part of the gym from the get-go, it means a lot to be squatting in this gym still because the turnover and bullshit gyms is super high. Oh, yeah. And to be around still and talk shit and like have a podcast is big. And to find me, <laughs> to be professional at the Battle Axe Gym, you can find me at any time. That's my Instagram, the Battle Axe Gym at gmail.com. Um, and I'm always going to probably leave it with a shout out to the Battle Axe Clan and the Battle Axe Gym. Those people are probably the most important people in my life to my loved ones, my family, my old man that just like, totally fucking beat death a couple months ago um to my girlfriend megs and to my loved ones and to my dogs because i'm here next to this one they're gonna get super (laughs) jelly (laughs) but uh, i appreciate you having me on here dog and i appreciate you guys like talking openly about this so it was long overdue man thank you for your time yeah thank you thank you dude appreciate it cheers 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 this is look at you taking your time marcus jesus